Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Well, how do you explain what goes on at CPAC? I mean, CPAC was, is, uh, you know, has been for years the gathering of conservative voices. But if you're saying that it's not the William F. Buckley conservatives now, I mean, let me just tell you some of the lineup. You know, Wayne LaPierre, Dana, La- Dana Lash, uh, Marianne Le Pen, the former sheriff, David Clark. These are some of the most extreme voices. So is that what... CPAC now represents. Now corporate America is entering the national gun debate, as we've been discussing. Some companies are cutting ties with the NRA. Chief Business Correspondent Christine Romans is at the magic wall to explain all this to us. Hi, guys. Well, a growing number of companies are breaking up with the NRA because their customers are demanding it. They're using social media to express their outrage. Now, they're not targeting weapons makers. They're targeting companies that offer discounts to NRA members. And for some, uh, the pressure is working. Symantec, MetLife, multiple car rental agencies all ending their relationship with the NRA. This one is one of the first here. First National Bank of Omaha. It tweeted that customer feedback caused it to cancel an NRA credit card. No more will they offer that. Uh, The latest also, Delta United Airlines, both of them coming out and saying that they are ending their discounted flights for NRA members. And they asked the gun lobby to remove their information from its website. Uh, the NRA calling this a shameful display of political and civic cowardice, adding that these brands will be replaced by others who want customers that value constitutional freedom, freedoms. But these companies are responding to their consumers, you guys. For years, corporate America stayed away from, you know, politically charged issues like gun, gun violence. But now companies are taking a stand on climate change, immigration, uh, gay rights, and that's actually good for business. According to a recent poll, the most important thing to consumers is to buy from companies that do the right thing. Although, Chris, there are others on social media now who have taken the opposite approach and who are saying, thank you for the list of companies that I am going to boycott because they don't support my Second Amendment rights. You know, that's a fair point. We'll have to see where the momentum plays out here. Uh, the polls show one thing, but... You know, there are people online saying that the NRA is going to have more members than ever. There's two things that are hitting a company simultaneously that are really reshaping our relationship with, with the companies and the companies that we work for. One is social media. I mean, people can instantly put pressure on companies to make big decisions about their products. Two is, and I see this uh, even at Axios, where the millennial workforce has a different expert expectation of us as employers. They expect you to take a stand. They expect you uh, to have opinions. They expect you uh, to, to stand for something bigger than just profit. And companies are feeling this. And you saw this with the Muslim ban. You saw it with immigration. You saw it with global warming. And now you're seeing it with guns, where companies like Blackstone uh, over the weekend, Bank of America, over the weekend are saying, listen, we're going to take a look at our clients' relationships with gun manufacturers. This never would have happened five or ten no, years when ago. when I was coming up, you didn't even challenge the company never. boss. You might have thought he or she was wrong, but you wouldn't speak out about it, certainly so publicly, Mike. No, that's right. It's a lot harder now to be a CEO because these issues that Jim is talking about, and this includes Me Too, this includes LGBT discrimination, this includes immigration, like all of those, it used to be risky for a brand or a company to talk about it, now they have to. And it's funny, this is partly a Trump effect. Just in the last year, there's, the incentives have changed from pulling back to now you have to speak up. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 7th of March, year of our Lord, 2018. And I'm back. And so is CNN. Still in it. Still in it. 
Some other things from CNN before we get to fire for effect. If possible, mass shooter wants to hone his craft, don't hand him a virtual boot camp. But I thought, as you'll see the rest of the show, everything Trump said is wrong. But now you're saying don't give him video games? So why is CNN so invested? I put this up front because of all the networks, they are the most invested in this gun grab craziness that's going on in our country. And I believe it's because of this poll, YouGov, which, let's be honest, YouGov is not the most accurate ever. Um, I've done YouGov polls. 82% of Dems favor banning semi-automatic weapons. And then when the CNN boss was actually asked about the bias, he said, it's silly. They need to get over it. They just need to get over it that this was not a partisan thing. The network isn't. Exact statement. The criticism is silly. The fact is we were there. We presented both sides. You, what? That goddamn witch trial was not both sides. The fact is we're there. We presented both sides. People want to criticize the looking just to criticize before they even think about it. He points out that Rubio could have been joined by Trump or Republican Governor Rick Scott, but both declined. That's not CNN's problem. I think it was really important milestone in the conversation because for one of the few times people who have different points of view were together. I'm not reading the rest. That's a fucking lie. You had a whole lynch mob in the background. And because of stuff like this, folks, the NRA is a terrorist organization. Is now a billboard. That's, that's a new thing. Alright, they have that everywhere. They're, they're not covering this. Atlanta Beach Police Chief Michelle Cook pled with her fellow police officers after Majority Stoneham Douglas High School shooting. If you're a police officer and you think to yourself, even for one second, that you will not be able to run towards a gunfire, quit. Now. Now, she's right. And because of the lynch mob, Dalton High School teacher Jesse Randall Davidson, who took a gun to school to prove teachers shouldn't be allowed to have guns, was an alt-left liberal activist. And that's why the media dropped it. He literally took a gun to school and shot it. But as we go into fire effect, which is going to be so big on this gun stuff, because it won't stop even 10 days since the last podcast, Neon Taser will set our theme. He'll set the table. He's our primer, as I used to say back in the old podcast. You know, I could tell the NRA isn't an actual terrorist organization because the left would be way more open to dialogue if they were. That, my friend, is something you just just go back to it as we start this journey. look at what teachers would be up against if they were armed with a handgun and confronted with a weapon like an AR-15. An AR-15 style rifle, well that's a semi-automatic weapon, meaning 
The fire, it fires one round when the trigger is pulled, then automatically reloads the chamber, making it ready to fire again. Handguns can also be semi-automatic, but some, like revolvers, they're not, meaning it can take a lot longer to fire multiple rounds. Another big difference, the speed of bullets. The AR-15 can fire bullets between 2,800 and 3,000 feet per second. A 9mm handgun between 700 and 1,100 feet per second. The AR-15 can hold much more ammunition than a handgun. A typical AR-15 magazine holds 30 bullets, while a 9mm handgun holds 15. Magazines that hold more are available for each firearm. One doctor who has seen AR-15 and handgun injuries gives a stark comparison of the damage each firearm can do to a person's body. She says, quote, routine handgun injuries leave an entry and exit wound and linear tracks throughout the victim's body that are roughly the size of a bullet. When she saw the damage from a Parkland victim, she said the organ looked like an overripe melon smashed by a sledgehammer with extensive bleeding. I want to bring in Malcolm Nance, MSNBC terrorism analyst, retired from the U.S. Navy. Malcolm, you have trained for years as a fighter in the military. You've fired weapons dozens of times. I've never done anything like it. Walk me through what happens to your body in the middle of danger. Well, you know, the psychology and physiology of, of, of what happens in a firefight is completely dependent on the individual. Everybody behaves differently. I mean, uh, the way I, I felt the first time someone ever shot at me, which was overseas in a, in a military operation in, in, uh, in, in the Middle East, it, you know, I, I froze up for about a second and then realized I was in mortal danger and looked for cover. You have to be trained to want to get up and go into fire, and that's what the armed forces does for you. Uh, I went through SWAT officer training when I got out of the military, and the first thing they do is they teach you is to really lock up and then move in on a target, and that's what active shooter uh, training is for in law enforcement. But if you're not really trained, you're not proficient, it's not like the movies, and the movies have nothing to do with reality. You are putting yourself where you could be killed. Okay. It's as simple as that. It then let's walk through that difference, because this idea that a teacher could have a concealed weapon, I mean, that's a pistol, that's a handgun. When a mass shooter enters a school, and when we usually see this happen, they're wearing protective headgear, they're wearing, you know, a, a Kevlar vest. It's not like it's a cat burglar in your bedroom pulling uh, your wedding ring out of a drawer and you pull a tiny handgun uh, and go after them. What is it like when an AR-15 is going after your body and you've got a handgun? Well, that uh, again, you know, that's really a matter of understanding and training. We have a lot of people who are going on, you know, what they think they see in the movies. Uh, if you've got a handgun and that's all the tool that you have, you have to be extremely well-trained to go out and engage someone who has a fully automatic or semi-automatic weapon. Let me tell you, a semi-automatic weapon fired in rapid sequence is just as good. Uh, we had a circuit, you know, and to be quite honest, depending on the distance that you're away, you have to understand for the civilians don't understand in close quarters. The first thing that you're going to have to experience is the explosive sound of the weapon going off, not yours, the shooters. It practically deafens you in a, in a, in an urban environment inside of a school building like that. It's not like the movies where you can actually hear. It's like someone stabbing your ear with a knife. So if you can get past that, 
and still move, you will be conducting a gun battle, a fire fight with people running back and forth in front of you. It's just, you know, unless you are a very, very skilled uh, soldier or a police officer who has already been through that, through simulation or through an actual incident, it's it, you cannot even start to predict the effect. All right. I don't know Ivanka Trump's expertise uh, in the world of guns, <laughs> but it sounds as though she's kind of supporting her father's idea to arm some teachers. And I want to share what she told NBC's Peter Alexander. I think that having a teacher who is armed, who cares deeply about her students um, or his students, and who is capable and qualified to bear arms is not a bad idea, but it's an idea that needs to be discussed. Ivanka says that's not a bad idea. What do you think? That's a ludicrous idea. It's just the worst idea I've ever heard. Look, when I went through SWAT training, uh, and, and we would come into a scenario where we had a hostage barricade or a suspected one, the first thing we're doing is we come in weapons high and we're looking for your hands. I see a handgun, we're gonna engage. And that's what law enforcement does. If you are a teacher who thinks you're doing a defensive, you know, pose and protecting a student, law enforcement will just assume you're the shooter. And if we start introducing five, ten guns into that school, the, the, the complexity of target identification and clearance and knowing whether that individual is safe or whether they're actually complicit and waiting for you to turn your back, it's Absolutely mind-boggling. Law enforcement will go to the default, which is to shoot the person with the gun. He was saying that he would uh, be a leader and would want to uh, take a courageous action. And a lot of the individuals that helped protect others that day weren't carrying there, firearms, which I think shows that um, you can be helpful in that process without it. We're worried that if you have a lot of people inside these schools with weapons, that, that this could turn into a situation like the Wild West. Uh, what would you say to parents out there who are worried about uh, faculty members, coaches, administrators uh, packing heat? Uh, that's why we're having this conversation. There are also an, a lot of parents, uh, I, and we heard from one of them whose daughter uh, was tragically murdered last week, uh, one of the parents from Parkland who uh, advocated for personnel having guns. So there's a lot of different people on both sides of this issue. That's why we're continuing to have these discussions, and that's why we've opened most of them up so that you guys can see exactly uh, where a number of these people are and see that there are a lot of voices on both sides, and we're doing everything we can to bring those groups together to unify the country and do uh, everything we can to make sure we're taking the, the biggest and the strongest steps forward forward in protecting America's kids. And I don't think teachers need to add that to the things that they're already doing. I, I, the cost of a gun I think to all the pencils and the paper and all the things I, that they're not even paid for. But it's so that condescending they, to assume I don't think that, it's you condescending. Can, that you can think and you can decide for someone else who, again, is volunteering. Why does it offend you so much? Or why do we want to say no to people that are saying, I want to volunteer? If they want to choose themselves, there's because 90 it's not teachers their role. and it's five not or their six role. of them it's want it to be their role. So then we're going to so test them. Do the teachers have enough to do? 
do. They have more than enough to do. I was in school. Not all teachers. You went to school, right? Yes. Do you want your teachers? I wouldn't want any. Absolutely. Let me just say this. I wouldn't want not one single teacher I had in school. Not the ones who liked me. Not the ones who Because I don't want. they didn't look out for When I speak to law enforcement people, when I speak to actual teachers who I, people I know are teachers, they don't know, are they going to carry it on their person? Can a student brush up? They're breaking up. Do they lock it? Someone. Right. Someone grabs the gun. Where do they keep the ammunition? If they lock it. How much are they going to do? So for the vast majority of teachers and for people with sense in this country, they realize well, I have sense? That, not because on this issue. You're not, you're being military military or you let me finish my thought. Can I finish my thought? Sure, but okay. to say we don't have sense, I, I think it also just shows how arrogant people no, are. It's not arrogant. It's like you don't it's you common can, sense. You can I I don't mean to offend you, but for people who have sense, they realize I, too, I have sense. Okay, too many there are too many things that can happen that will go the other way. It is not worth the risk of someone who is a teacher and carrying too many people can get hurt. And, here's and just something briefly about the issue of teachers carrying guns. This is the dumbest idea of many dumb ideas Trump has had. First of all, when police enter a building, they are going to shoot anyone who is shooting. So yeah. the teachers are going to be the first mark. Secondly, these are not trained people. Yep. You would need SEAL agents, frankly, uh, Navy <laughs> SEALs in there to do the job. Not to mention the fact that if you put metal detectors up, the, the, the former students would know they can just walk through the metal detectors <laughs> with no gun and acquire their weapons in school. Can we also add the building? Kurt Bardella, crying white mothers. I mean, this is a different dimension of idiocy that we're seeing right now on display from people like Dana. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there are no words to describe. Like, this is someone who clearly, frankly, just has no soul, who's a, just a paid mercenary, who's happy to keep cashing the check from the NRA to go out there and just spread complete ridiculousness. And I'm paraphrasing, but she literally said, don't worry about illegal immigrants anymore because no one's going to want to come to our country if our teachers have guns in the schools. Mm -hmm. And what is going to happen to black boys in classrooms if teachers have guns and, the te and, you, and a teacher gets a bad, boy, ba bad vibe from a black boy and shoots him? And, and in that context, I say that the video that we saw of Mr. Noir speaking earlier is really kind of perverse because it is the media that has drawn so much attention to the unarmed black boys and black men all over the United States who have died as a result of gun violence. And he yeah. sprinkles, sprinkles in a little bit of truth, but it is the media that is upholding our democracy. Yeah, and that the mainstream media has changed their approach to the NRA. It used to be on the one hand and then on the other hand, this forced moral equivalence. And now I think um, these kids have kind of woken up the media. The media is being more aggressive with them. The media is challenging them now. And thank goodness, because these kids are not impressed with the NRA spokesman. They don't have this false sense of balance. They have a personal experience. They have the truth on their side. And I think it's very interesting to see um, how much tougher now um, the press is when they get someone like Adana Loesch or when they get other uh, spokesmen for the NRA. Um, when they do go into the mainstream media now, it's a um, it's hand-to-hand -hand combat, frankly. Yeah. Um, and that's not how they used to be perceived. They used to get a lot more deference from the mainstream media. So again, yeah. kudos to the kid for ending that. Yeah, absolutely. I know rather long, but that is the media teacher thing. Everything that anybody said that was pro-gun, they have rushed out packages that teachers shouldn't, teachers shouldn't. But we'll see later on in our Fire for Effect. They already are.
These people are so, once again, we covered in the last podcast the gun control handbook. Emotion, not facts. Don't talk about facts. That's where they live. So they ain't going to talk about schools or already got people with armed teachers or, you know, safety officers or somebody with a friggin' gun. They, they don't want to talk about that. But if they would, it would be so much easier because, as Stephen Gakowski said, just heard the term full semi-automatic used on CNN. I mean, what the fuck is that? Full semi-automatic. That was a general. I could play it. It's an AR-15 segment that I was going to play, but I have so many sound bites I'm not going to. And then you have Diane Feinstein. A handgun wound is simply a stabbing with a bullet. It goes in like a nail. The high-velocity route of an AR-15, it's as if you shot somebody with a Coke can. That That's no. Representative Carol Maloney, we need to ban machine gun magazines. <clears throat> yeah. Machine gun magazines. And when they weren't saying something stupid, Judd Legum, a journalist... These banks are financing the assault weapon industry. They're trying the divestment strategy. Or, little nuggets before we get to the subjects, Aaron Burlett, politicians have been lack courage to stand up to NRA, but Dick's Sporting Goods, they're saying, fuck it, we're going to raise it to 11, or 21, to 21. Hmm. Yeah. Or there's nuggets like this, all guns are loud. There's no such thing as a full semi-automatic. He would be a part of Amigos making up words like that. The gun doesn't kick that hard. This guy is just Super Saiyan Beta. Every gun is designed to inflict damage. Just throw the whole CNN away. That was on a different segment that they did where they showed somebody shooting a gun. So that's our dialogue. There is no dialogue because they're not... Going after the R-15. House bill prohibiting sale of semi-automatic weapons. That's everything. The bill prohibits the sale, transfer, production, importation, semi-automatic rifle and pistols that can hold a detachable magazine as well as a semi-automatic rifle with a magazine that can hold more than 10 rounds. Additionally, the legislation bans the sale, transfer, production, and importation of semi-automatic shotguns with features such as pistol grip or detached stock and ammunition feeding devices that can hold more than 10 rounds. Yeah. 205 specific firearms that are prohibited, including the AK-47 and AR-15. They're just not going after. They're going after the whole kit and caboodle. Whole kit and caboodle. And Ken Gardner sums it up. Dems would rescind your tax cut and still increase the deficit at a faster rate. Dems would severely curtail your constitutional rights to bear mall arms. Dems would oppose the Obamacare repeal. And ju- that's just for starters. They're on a roll. That's their defense. That's their defense for all their action. Trump won. We're going to still act like we're in charge. We're going to run the government regardless. And I just want to bring you back to the McConnell era. Wasn't that wrong? Elections have consequences. We're now 13 months into consequences of nothing. Because the left and the media have been able to still regulate what we're doing. 
talk about everything, and then they don't get their way, then you go get a judge to block that shit. But the sad thing isn't what I just covered. A bill that's horrible, people that know nothing about weapons sitting on your TV talking to you, nobody in the media correcting them. It's these goddamn kids. Where people that had friends die. My sister has been crying so much because she lost her three best friends that she can't even fucking speak. She can't even speak. That's unacceptable. Sadly, my sister lost four of her friends and so many other friends. Um, however, my sister, who's a freshman here, she had two of her, her like, best friends die. And the amount of awful deaths that I've had to deal with, with my sister having three of her best friends die. Uh, sadly, and then my sister, had, she's a freshman, and she had two of her best friends die. And so what do you say to the NRA? Um, disband, dismantle. And don't and make another organization. Yeah, under don't a make another name. organization under a different name. Don't you dare come back here. The fact that you were in power for so long and that you had so much influence for so long in America just goes to show how much time and effort we still need to spend on fixing our country. Absolutely. And gun control is just the first thing right now, the first thing that we are mainly focusing on. Look, I don't have to tell you guys, they, they give millions of dollars to politicians. They have a very powerful tool. So, I mean, how do you expect yeah. politicians who need money to keep running for office to say no to the NRA? Because we keep telling them that if they accept this blood money, they're against the children. They're against the people who are dying. And that is, that's, that there's no other way to put it at this point. You're either funding the killers or you're standing with the children. The children who have no money. We don't have jobs. So we can't pay for your campaign. We would hope that you have the decent morality to support us at this point. And not take money from people that want to keep lessening gun legislation and making it even easier for these horrifying people to get guns. Because if you can't get elected without taking money from child murderers, why are you running? Hey, guys, are you going to be able to go back to school this week or next week? Are you going to go back into the building where this happened? Well, first of all, um, the freshman building is being torn down. But the rest of the school... The rest of the school is staying up, and as soon as we can, we are going to go back into the school. As soon as they say school is on Monday, I'm going to be there. I'm pretty sure. Unless I have interviews or unless we have interviews or somewhere to be, we are going to be at school with the people with who need us. We need to stand with our peers. We haven't had time to stand with our peers through all of this. We've been working so hard. You're getting, I, I mean, an up-close look. I mean, a look you probably you never wanted to get, given the, the reasons you're, you're getting this look, but at how politicians work, at how the system works. I'm just wondering what you see looking at it up close the way you have been these last... Honestly, it's kind of disgusting. It really is starting to remind me of House of Cards at this point that I've watched a lot. Like, for example, when, um, when one of the famous characters is killed, uh, Zoe Barnes, Claire immediately turns and starts putting on makeup as a symbolism of the politics being spectacle. And I really think that's what's going on here. These politicians don't care about these children's lives. Notice how the only action being taken, for example, with Rick Scott, is after he's running for Senate to try to take Bill Nelson's seat. That's what's going on here. People need to acknowledge that. And 
like with Marco Rubio, for example. The man must be a professional dancer just like other uh, politicians because he's great at sidestepping questions. At the CNN town hall, he turned a one-word one answer into a five-sentence shenanigan emitting propaganda from the NRA and repeating his false message that he is going his message that he's going to continue to accept money from the NRA, just making sure that people don't understand that and they're distracted by him trying to turn it into a long answer so he can get reelected. And it's disgusting. Do you think something will change? I mean, it, it, bump stocks, it, would that be a, uh, a positive step? Absolutely, but it's something that should have been done after 50 people were slaughtered in Las Vegas. If that didn't change anything, how is this going to change anything? How? That's my question, is the American people are starting to realize and they're starting to waking, wake up and realize that they are being abused. And the fact that we're doing that is one of the most important things. And I, I believe it's during Katrina that you really spoke out against some of the abuses that the people faced, correct? Yeah. And that's really what we're trying to do here. We're taking a journalistic standpoint with some of the non-biasness of Walter Cronkite, but with a lot of the action and motivation that companies like Facebook and SpaceX had in the, their beginning days and the, the pace that they're continuing. We have to. We have to show these people that we are going to take this play, their place. And to be honest, it's like when you're with an old person, uh, an older person that isn't. As are you pointing to me when you say older person? Uh, no. Thank you very much. No. I appreciate. No, Literally, like I was just thinking, how old were you during Katrina? I was about five. Okay. Um, All right. But thank you. Prove my when, point. When, I'm old. when the older generations are using cell phones, for example, they have to pass it off to us, and we we just eventually just say, just give it to us, and we'll take it. And that's what we're doing with the political system now, because clearly the older generation has have failed us, and we're not going to let that happen. Since the tragic shooting in Parkland, some of the survivors have become, as we know, these influential voices, right? These activated voices. These teenagers didn't think that they were going to turn into a movement, but they have turned into a movement, and they have ignited this entire national conversation about gun violence and gun control and what they want to see happen. I mean, obviously, the question is what happens now that they return to class, and what happens, what happens with their their movement. So we are joined by two of these shooting survivors and now gun control advocates. We have David Hogg and his sister Lauren Hogg. Great to see you guys. Nice to meet you, Lauren. Thank you for being here. David, you were the first student that we talked to in the hours after this massacre, and everybody remembers it because you sort of gripped the nation's attention because you were so clear-headed already, even in the hours after the trauma. So what have these two weeks been like for you since then? And so how are you getting the strength to go in there today? I have to because our politicians are cowards and they won't. They won't gather the strength even to stand up to the NRA, to the NRA like Marco Rubio, Rick Scott, or Donald Trump, where they won't stand up to the NRA and say, you don't own me anymore, and they rip off their shock collar. At this point, our politicians are like really stupid sharks that think that they have power. But Let me talk about guns with a stud. You know, it seems to me that he knows that this, I keep thinking of like when the Doughboys arrived in World War One. all of a sudden the, the, the situation changed and Germany was going to lose, and the Brits and the French were going to win. This new force of these students and these teachers are so credible mm -hmm. that when they, make, when they go on television, everybody stops and listens. And, and listens, and they give Trump a sense of credibility that. to uh, to the gun control issue and a sense of raw. It's an awful situation uh, all around. Uh, I know it's painful and difficult for you and all of your uh, friends at school. Uh, let me get your reaction to what's happened with Dick's Sporting Goods, a major retailer business uh, that uh, actually sold the Florida shooter a shotgun last year uh, at the age of only 18. They say they will stop selling 
AR-15 style rifles. Uh, the CEO of, uh, of, of, the, of the store, of the, of the company, also says decision was made uh, uh, for the kids of Stone and Douglas. And you're going to have to be 21 from now on to purchase uh, any kind of weapon there. What's your reaction? I know I just talked about some very depressing issues, but I want to say that is the most uplifting news I have heard in a while. It's been very tough going to my state capital in Tallahassee and being told that I won't be able to do anything or the hill in Washington, D.C. and facing some, some trouble. But I'm glad to see that companies are finally hearing not only the children's outcry, but everybody in this country who is sick and tired of the dysfunctional laws and system that we have set in place. I'm glad that Dick's Sporting Goods supports common sense gun laws, such as an 18-year-old should not be able to buy a shotgun or an AR-15. That's just not sensible. And I'm glad that companies, which are what will stop the NRA from doing what they're doing and basically killing kids, the companies are going to be the ones that are going to stop this. And I'm calling out every single company right now who is not in favor of cutting their ties with the NRA. The NRA has shown themselves to be toxic, vile, and to not support the right to, li to live, which is in the preamble of the Constitution. I want them to remember, they always talk about the Second Amendment, but that preamble is before it because of its importance and its necessity for America to be the way it is. Alfonso Calderon is a junior at the Stoneman Douglas High School. Today was the first day back at school. Alfonso will continue these conversations down the road. Good luck to you. Good Absolutely. luck to all your friends at school, your families. We're with you. Thank you very much. Take a look at this video used to shoot a watermelon using an AR-15. have defrauded the public's understanding of the Second Amendment. Here's why. The Second Amendment does not apply to AR-15s. It does not apply to assault-style weapons. It never has. Congress may legally ban those weapons without touching the Second Amendment. That's a legal fact. But it's hard for many politicians to defend AR-15s. It's hard to explain why, as a policy trade-off, it's more important to make it easy to buy AR-15s and to restrict their use as weapons of mass murder. So politicians talk more about the Second Amendment than these weapons. Alison Camarota of CNN interviewed Dana Lash about her claim that the media exploits tragedy. But let, you, you're saying that it's malicious, but yet on your network, you've allowed accusations against me and millions of law-abiding Americans as, and to be indicted as child murderers. I've watched you, Alison, on your said program that, Dana. at this very time slot. We've and you've, never you've allowed said that, that you to were stand uncorrected on your Listen, network. You've allowed it to all stand uncorrected on your language. network. That's if you not want to have true, a discussion Dana. of the She said we would never do that. Well, yes, they would. And we have proof. Because if you can't get elected without taking money from child murderers, why are you running? Hey, guys, are you going to be able to go back to school? So, Allison Camarota, here's my message to you. You want to lie straight to the American people, NRA TV will be here to call you out. Dana Lash will, I will. You better believe we all will because NRA members, freedom-loving Americans, gun owners across this country are tired of CNN and its lies and its deceptive media practices to do what? Try to destroy the Second Amendment, and now the goal is to try to destroy the NRA simply to take a straight run to destroy all of us. We are not going to let it happen. So we bring facts. We bring facts to the table. We proved, Allison Camarota, that you allowed people to call NRA members and the NRA child murderers. It's unacceptable. 
So hear me and hear me loud. We are on to you. The idea he seemed most engaged by yesterday was this idea of arming teachers. What was your reaction to that? I was in shock. I, uh, I really couldn't believe that he would even think of the idea of putting that responsibility on teachers. Teachers need to focus, and they do a great job of focusing on molding the minds of the future like Julia and I. And how can you give them the responsibility of going to school every day and not knowing if they're going to have to kill one of their students or not and knowing that they have the option to? And, and Julia, that was a pretty extraordinary back and forth with the president, with all, all everybody in that room yesterday. Do you think he heard what you all were saying? What was your response to all that? Yes, I believe that he heard uh, our true stories and our emotions. However, I was shocked to see that the NRA was quick to respond before we even left the White House, my classmates and I. And I do not understand why the NRA is not understanding of us students, of our lives, of their lives, and of everyone else. And, and Ryan, you, you had the chance to question Senator Rubio last night at the town hall meeting. Pretty clear that he's not going to walk away from the NRA, even though he told you you're already making a difference. Uh, yeah, definitely. Senator Rubio did not, uh, as uh, Cameron Kasky plainly put it, he asked if he would take the money, and Rubio danced around the question as politicians do. He just did not want to answer it, even though the crowd knew exactly what he was saying, that he will continue to take money from an organization that has been known to help in the aiding of killing innocent lives. Uh, Sam, you know, the NRA is one powerful organization. Uh, you mentioned yesterday at that meeting with the president, Australia's experience, after they had a horrific uh, episode of gun violence, they banned semi-automatics and automatic weapons. And as you pointed out, there hasn't been a school shooting there since that happened. But how do you respond to those who say that just can't happen here in the United States? I, I don't get how they could be so blind. Julia, you had a tweet last night. You said this is only the beginning. Right now, we may be infamous for our tragedy, but we will be famous for this movement of change. What specifically do you want to see? We are tired of losing innocent lives to, to, peer, to peer situations that are preventable. And it all starts with less guns, not more guns. As you said, this is just the beginning. Thank you for your voices. I know this has been the week of your lives, but as you said, it is just the beginning. Thank okay. you all very much for your time and your voices this morning. Thank Michael? Very impressive, Young. So that's what's just not true. The NRA keeps on saying that more guns keep people more safe. And no, they study don't. after study empirically proves it's just not true. A key point of the NRA's plans to make our schools and communities safe is simple. More guns. Does that actually hold up? For fact's sake, let's take a look. In 2003, a study on uh, building on research from the 1990s showed a 41% higher chance of homicide in homes with guns versus homes without guns. Fact. It found a 244% spike in suicides when compared to gun-free homes. This data isn't alone, but I want you to always remember this one. Many, most gun deaths in America are suicides. Nobody else in the world has numbers 
numbers like American suicide deaths because of the number of guns we have. We'll, more, we'll, we'll come back to that another time. A more recent analysis in 2015 based on more than a dozen different studies, and there has been a lot of research. While the CDC doesn't do it, lots of people do. It found that people with access to guns at home were almost twice as likely to be murdered compared to those without guns in their home. Some states use uh, shall-issue rules, meaning they must grant permits after certain requirements are completed. Other states use a shall issue or all the, the red states, okay? Uh, others use discretionary issue. Uh, that is the, uh, well, there's, it says they're blue, but it's really only over here. Um, they can be selective, but generally get, grant concealed carry permits. Some states, like uh, New York, for instance, and California, they, uh, uh, well, some states, like Arizona, don't require a permit to be carried at all. This is a mess, this, uh, this color scheming. Um, but uh, New York and California, which are not even colored on this map, uh, does not have, uh, they've got very restrictive rules to get a permit. So the NRA argues that the states with looser concealed carry laws are much safer than those without. Again, not true. A new study from the National Bureau of Economic Research looked at states that adopted right to carry concealed handgun laws, RTC, right to carry. It found that violent crime was 13 to 15 percent higher 10 years after the right to carry laws were adopted than the projections would have been if those laws had not been passed. And a 1998 survey of shootings in three cities found that for every time a homeowner used a gun for self-defense or some other legally justified shooting, there were four unintentional shootings. All the data shows that more guns do not mean more safety. It's okay. That soundbite I called kids and stupid. A lot of stupid. Buku stupid and those damn kids. And then I decided, you know, I'm going to... Do some homework on these kids. Find out a little bit more. See see what they say on their feeds. And, yeah, that hurt my feelings, okay? David Hogg, successful people are always looking for opportunities to help others. Unsuccessful people are always asking, what's in it for me? Brian Tracy. David Hogg, few men have virtue to withstand their highest bidder. George Washington. Charles C.W. Cook, he's misusing it. He's basically spouting off about shit he doesn't know, just like the guns. All right? Simultaneously, as this is going on, they're going to do a book deal. They've already been offered book deal to write their story. And then this article sprouts up. The Parkland teens fighting for gun control have the backing of these huge organizations. Everytown, Giffords, Move On, Planned Parenthood, and the Women's March L.A., are all part and giving money. Michael Bloomberg gave a million himself. Then as the week goes on, Parkland students dropping the pretense and fundraising for Democrats. And it shows how they're outright working for Democrats, which kind of is what I said the first podcast, that these kids are vessels for the emotional aspect of gun control. You use a kid, you feed him with all your stuff, and they go out and do your bidding, like this. Calling the sheriff a coward is so ironic, coming from a man who evaded the draft multiple times due to his power and influence. Donald Trump, you're a hypocrite that is owned by the NRA. Please prove me wrong. Still, as of four days ago, sell FedEx stock. Then he's still 
So which people support the NRA the most? Later on, let's get those peoples, basically what he implied. On his feed, from the 27th of February, you all should know about this. It's abortion law. On his feed, UCLA has already admitted him. Admitted him. Hasn't even graduated. Last time he said he wasn't going to school until they did gun control. Sorry, the beasts are in the room with me. The wife's on the road, so we're going to have to have the growling idiots in the background. Another one. Hey, I got an idea. If you work or live in a building in New York City where your neighbor's co-workers to spell out each of the victims' names. That was stuff he was doing. His feed was open prior to the shooting. He was obsessed with Russia. He didn't understand what FISA, but he kept criticizing that Hillary was to blame initially and then got told what to say now, so that's gone. Emma Gonzalez was a verified activist for gay agenda. And this one was from uh, the 28th. I can't believe I actually thought we could accomplish anything before this midterm. They're making it so easy for us to vote them out. It's beyond ludicrous. Y'all are lucky I don't curse on here. I have no words. They're actively rooting for our deaths now. Other one. They hate us for smiling. They hate us for crying. They hate us for speaking. They hate us for being alive. They hate us. What's important to remember is that their argument against us is so weak and futile that they have to resort to attacking the people delivering the message. Yeah. Friendly reminder that the argument to protect schools completely ignores churches, malls, concerts, etc. That has also been host to mass shootings. We can't build our world out of Kevlar. Just remove the guns. That's so simple. This was a tweet from March 2nd. To all the generations before us, we sincerely accept your apology. We appreciate you willing to let us rebuild the world that you fucked up. Yeah. Herm, Cameron, Kasky both said it. By the time we got to this podcast, Charles Cook, hog is fair game for critics. He was one of many that wrote this. He was admonished in the media. I'm not going to read it. But he's right. They are no longer kids. They have affected economy. They have become vessels and tools for other people. And if you're telling me that they're all supposed to vote and rewrite the Constitution because they're so much more brighter than us morons in the red states, well, they're fair game. And I had to block him. To keep him out of my feed. I, I couldn't just mute Hog. It was no choice. When I went to Twitter, Hog was there. When I went to there, to Twitter, Gonzalez was there. Kasky. Twitter, as they censor Republicans, was pushing them. You, you didn't have a choice. None. Whatsoever. And while all this is happening... They keep getting more brazen and brazen until I found this just yesterday. We've had enough of the lies, the sanctimony, the arrogance, the hatred, the pettiness, the fake news. 
We are done with your agenda to undermine voters' will and individual liberty in America. So to every line member of the media, to every Hollywood phony, to the role model athletes who use their free speech to alter and undermine what our flag represents, to the politicians who would rather watch America burn than lose one ounce of their own personal power, to the late night hosts who think their opinions are the only opinions that matter, to the Joanne Reeds, the Morning Joes, the Mikas, to those who stain honest reporting with partisanship, to those who bring bias and propaganda to CNN, the Washington Post, and the New York Times, your time is running out. The clock starts now. We've had enough of the lies, the sanctimony, the ignorance, the hatred, the pettiness, the NRA. We are done with your agenda to undermine the safety of our nation's youth and the individual voices of the American people. So to every government official unwilling to take action and make change, to everyone with an A-plus rating from the National Rifle Association, to every spokeswoman with an hourglass who uses their free speech to alter and undermine what our flag represents, to the politicians who would rather watch America's youth die than get assault rifles off the shelves, to the manipulating lobbyists who think that political stances should be the only ones supported by legislation, to those who refuse to accept common sense gun safety as a bipartisan issue, to those who call high school students paid crisis actors and refuse to listen. Your time is running out. The clock starts now. That is a teenager mocking an adult. This weekend, and we'll get into hot take section, literally how terrible they went against Dana Loesch. I mean, we're literally talking about pornographic pictures of somebody that looks like her and saying it was her by actual journalists. But that's a child. That was a Twitter moment. I, I didn't get that from a website. That was a Twitter moment. It was pushed by Twitter. They sponsored that child. Now, while this is being pushed, I'm going to play the only conservative one. Have you heard this? And you feel that your perspective on, on this issue is worth having everyone here as well. Tell me about it. What is it? Well, my perspective is that um, we have to focus first on what we can achieve, and that is bipartisan change. That is mental health restrictions and deeper background checks. Uh, the debate on gun control... Um, should be a broader discussion that we need that we needed to have after we can secure our schools. That is a priority. So you feel, and Andrew Pollack, whose daughter Meadow uh, died at Parkland, he was here last night, and he has the same perspective. It's not that he doesn't ever want to talk about that, but he wants to pass things that you feel can be passed first, right? Yes, ma'am. I think that's absolutely paramount. We have to make sure that we secure our schools first and make sure this will never happen again, and only then can we have the gun control debate. Yeah, that that that's a kid from Parkland. Bet you haven't heard him. But you heard Alyssa Milano. Hey, Amazon, flagging this for you. Seems important that you watch this kind of programming you're making accessible to your customers. I guess you find this kind of threats against those in the media industry to be acceptable. And they're still on the NRA TV blocking. Within this, I'm just going to read once. Trill Mahai, scary, scary, crazy, scary worlds are handled. Her children will be nothing more than racist pigs, all because Mama Dana Loesch is a racist bigot, nasty gun-toting whore who is all about killing and guns. You will lose this battle, Dana Loesch. Get back on the pole, you fucking whore. 
Girl power. Yeah. Yeah. And then you heard articles like this. The NRA and its allies use jargon to bully gun control supporters. This is a whole article that literally pretends that it's conservatives' fault because they actually speak in the actual jargon about a subject and are gunsplaining. Well, I get a lot of splaining to me about abortion, but I don't get to do stuff like that. Hmm. And I bet you didn't hear this, all right? We're going tit for tat. 45 calls to Broward County Sheriff's Department visited Florida Shooter's home 22 other times, which weren't disclosed. Scores of Ohio teachers sign up for free gun training lessons. They have at least 500 teachers signed up. And there are 102 school districts in Texas where armed teachers or administrators carry guns. Utah does. Oklahoma, Colorado, Alabama, California, Connecticut, Ohio, Idaho, Iowa, Kentucky, Massachusetts, Mississippi, Montana, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Rhode Island, Texas, Utah, and Wyoming, and soon to a classroom near your Tennessee. You didn't hear any of that, did you? But you heard the soundbite about teachers. Did they say that's stupid? Buried in all this stuff found on the New York Times. Tweeted it. Democratic senator says gun debate will help his party in the midterms. Oh, isn't that interesting? But you don't hear that riled over and over like McConnell, right? When McConnell said we want to get Obama out of office, he was a fucking racist. You heard a fuck ton of this, though. And in what could be a tipping point in a growing corporate response to the Florida school shooting, one of the country's biggest sporting goods retailers announced today that it will stop selling assault-style rifles along with the sale of any guns to those under 21. Dick's Sporting Goods essentially adopting self-imposed gun restrictions. Our Kate Snow has more. After the horror in Parkland, Florida, Dick's Sporting Goods CEO Ed Stack says they found out the alleged gunman bought a shotgun last November at one of their stores. Though not a weapon used in the killings that day, enough was enough. We don't want to be a part of the story any longer. The company is no longer selling assault-style rifles or high-capacity magazines and will not sell any firearms to anyone under 21. But a major announcement today from the CEO of Dick's Sporting Goods on Good Morning America that the company will no longer sell assault-style rifles. Take a listen. We're staunch supporters of the Second Amendment. I'm a gun owner myself, but we've just decided that based on what's happened and with these guns, we don't want to be a part of this story, and we've eliminated these guns permanently. Because this lieutenant governor of Georgia said one of the most ridiculous things we've heard in a long time from a public official. When he said he's going to do everything he can to make sure that any legislation, tax legislation, that benefits Delta... In the state of Georgia, remember, he's the lieutenant governor, not the governor, but he will kill any tax legislation that benefits Delta unless they change their position and fully reinstate its relationship with the NRA. Corporations can attack conservatives and expect us not to fight back. He doesn't work for CPAC, A.B. Stoddard. He's the lieutenant governor of a state. And remember what the NRA does. They give 
a boost. They give special rates to certain people. So they're not Remember, punishing anybody right. from taking them away. They can do whatever they want. But I've never heard of a lawmaker doing anything like this. Because they don't like the politics of a company, they go after that company. Do, I've never, I know, maybe, maybe you know, Dave, we've got three better minds here than mine. Have you ever heard of a state official doing something like this before, saying, I don't like how you're dealing with the NRA or any special interest group. Right. So I'm going to punish you as a state official. Uh, so Dick's Sporting Goods, uh, the, you, the uh, country's largest sports retailer, is uh, going to stop selling assault-style rifles, and it's going to raise the age of anyone buying a gun to 21. Good for them. FedEx has made a significant choice in the other direction because read a story where they want to corner the gun market. Which well, is, they want to corner the shipping for the gun market. And if that's the choice FedEx makes, that they want to be known as the, the basically the people that corner the market on, on, on transporting assault-style weapons, then uh, good luck. And Dick's, by the way, is leaning all the way in this morning. This is a, a place where moms go to get everything you need for your athlete yep. kids, whether you've got a hockey player or yep. a runner or a football player. It's also easier to buy online. I would suggest everybody, in fact, we're going on the way home, get your credit card out. And I would reward <laughs> this company for doing the right thing. We're going to spend a lot of Joe's money there. Bats and no, we're going to serious. That's it. Yeah, they, they love Dick's. But what they're not telling you is Dix is getting sued by a 20-year-old in Oregon. All right. In Oregon. Oregon. That's about as liberal as you're going to fucking get. They're also not saying American splits on companies associated with the NRA, how America's views following companies before and after, and every one of them dropped 25 to the lowest 15 points. Yeah, they dropped. They took a fucking hit for what they did. The media blasted Delta, or Georgia, because they're going to take actions against Delta. But Delta took a hit. They took a hit. But they're not going to tell you that. Media is so invested in it, they're not going to tell the truth. Which takes us to our hot takes without a bumper. <clears throat> I won't play it, but this is some of the stuff that I found over the last 10 days. Toro Coffee Company. Never fucking heard of it. Because she told you the truth, so you decided to live up to the rest of the maxi standards. You have been left behind by evolution. Don't forget to load it, point it right in your face, and pull the trigger. That's how you clean your weapon. Yeah. Somehow that was not a violation of Twitter's term of service. They told people to kill themselves with their guns. Bethany S. Mandel, come on now, Neon. I just took my mom off life support at 16, had my father hang himself when I was 19, and grew up in a single wide trailer in North, Northrop's trailer park in upstate New York. Besides that, I've been truly blessed. Shannon Watts, the leader of Mom Against Guns. Again, your white skin makes you less likely to be a risk as a gun owner. Regardless of your hard scrabble background, I guess you don't believe in racism. All the lefties talking to Dana. 
Look at what Dana Douchebag posted. The NRA is full of blown after Toro. Get ready to see this on Fox. Dana Loesch, you have something to say? Let's have a debate on TV, you cowardly whore. Yeah, that was all on Toro's, but it went against Dana because she posted about having a cup of Black Rifle coffee, which is delicious. And it's from people we played on this network. We played that shit on the network. It's just a gun culture thing. A lot of Dana saying, God bless, to how about you stay stay off social media? That way we don't have to wretch every time we see your ugly face. Montel Williams. Let's get one thing clear. Actually, bore arms and uniform, Dana, poses in cocktail dresses with guns. I'm not interested in a lecture on guns from a Dan Spokes model. That's not sexist at all. Dana Loesch, you're a Nazi. You're on Canada's watch list. Good luck traveling through our country to Alaska. That soundbite we heard from the mocking to every lying media member, blah, 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 blah. A literally a blue check reporter who threatened innocence better, her or the wicked witch of the West. And guess what he was part of? A managing editor of Snopes. That's why Snopes is always never on my list. What a bad way to have a conversation. God bless, Dana says, to this. Another one about your kids will grow up to be racist pigs because you're a whore. Rosie O'Donnell. Well, Dana, I have no interest in talking to you and listening to you and engaging with you. Look at your life, woman. Jesus Christ on the cross. Have you no soul? You have two kids. And you whore yourself out for the H, the HRA, which I guess she meant NRA. God Almighty, Dana, think of your life. When I found this tweet, I went to her, the thread, and she's doing this from behind a block. She blocked Dana. When she responded, I can't accept a woman who is a mouthpiece of a terrorist organization. Dana sees that from somebody else, because they print screen it. Nothing says, let's have an honest and logical discussion like accusing millions of innocent people of being a terrorist because you disagree with them on 2A. That is a sampling of over 100 I've read of them literally, literally calling her a whore, talking about her kids, calling her kids racist. Yeah. And then we have Salon. America doesn't have a gun control problem. We have a white people problem. Yeah. Hmm. They have about eight articles I could read you that I won't of just titles like that. Just, just non-stop stupid. Friends don't let friends hold on to guns. Amazon, Etsy, and Google don't sell guns. Marker service so accepts with guns anyway. Here's a psychological examination. Concern of gun defenders sexually oppressed, lack empathy. A two-gun person limit would protect American lives. Cobra on guns. If your village had a tiger eating people every day, you wouldn't do nothing. Ari Berman. Want to know how gun lobby dominates U.S. politics? In Texas, a gun permit is a valid voter ID, but a student ID is not. That's because uh, valid... Uh, 
Jesus Christ, folks, this comes from a state, that comes from a school, that doesn't even make any sense. That, that, that's non-stop stupid. And then there's the hot take soundbite. This is good shit. Chuck Todd, talking about full Australian banning. A CNN guest, women can't carry guns. They, they just don't. Mitchell, talking no guns, which is the point. There shouldn't be guns. Just shouldn't pull guns. And then another soundbite with somebody literally asking a senator, who's pulling your strings, the NRA? So, with meaningful congressional action on gun uh, restrictions seemingly at a standstill, some frustrated Americans are asking if other countries can serve as an example. During last week's White House listening session on school safety, one survivor of the Parkland, Florida massacre looked to Australia. In Australia, there was a shooting at a school in 1999. You know, after that, they took a lot of ideas, they put legislation together, and they stopped it. Can anyone here guess how many shootings there have been in the schools since then in Australia? Zero. It was 35 people who died in that mass shooting that he was referring to in Australia. It was in 1996, not 1999. Afterwards, under a conservative prime minister, automatic and semi-automatic rifles were banned in Australia. They enacted a national registry and a 28-day waiting period for all gun purchases. And 650,000 firearms were taken out of circulation in a national buyback program. But Australia, of course, doesn't have a right to bear arms in their constitution. They also don't have a powerful gun lobby like the NRA. But could Australia's model still have some legs in the United States, say, on semi-automatic weapons or something like that? Um, the problem you have is you've got this whole debate about mental health checks, fine. Mm -hmm. But I think if you really want to arrest the, the rate of mass shootings, you've got to do something directly about automatic and semi-automatic weapons. Um, because their ability to just call ma cause mass carnage within a few seconds uh, is there and it's transparent for us all to see. Uh, we saw it in Australia once or twice before 1996 and then we acted. I cannot see how a similar action was taken here that the Supreme Court of this country would say that the right to bear a semi-automatic weapon mm -hmm. is going to offend your, um, your Second Amendment rights? I don't think so. <laughs> what else did you do to address people's concerns on security? Because some of this has to do with, well, I don't know if I can trust the government to, to keep me safe. Well, I think in this country you've suffered from sort of half a century of government bashing. Uh, basically, government equals evil equals bad, and therefore we can't trust them with anything. I mean, that is a deep cancer in this society, which you can turn around. But I think there's a bit of a national learned helplessness syndrome here in the United States about this. You can do it, guys. It's the United States of America, the leader of the free world. We you can do can, anything we want. You can yeah. change your laws. And, you know, those of us who live here actually would like to see you do it. Uh, I, I always love getting a perspective on us from the outside, from people going, why aren't you tackling this? Yeah, but we like this country. There's so many good things in America. This is just nuts. I'm around, and they're coming into an active shooter situation. So, you know, that adds to the danger. And then one of the things that people don't talk about, a lot of these schools, Sandy Hook had an all-female faculty, from principal to teachers. And for a woman, where are you going to hide that gun during the day? You can't put it in your desk drawer. Somebody might steal it, and you can't get to it. You're not going to have it in a safe in the principal's office. You can't get to it. On your person, hiding it. 
If you wear a dress, if you wear a skirt, are you going to have to wear a jacket every day with a belt and a holster the way a detective, mm -hmm. you know, on duty would do? Um, it's, it's not a real practical solution, even for a variety of reasons, mm -hmm. much less the being adept is more than just pulling the trigger and making the bullet go downrange. Right, and the comfort level, all of that. And if we somehow waved a wand and said no law-abiding citizen should have a firearm, these crimes will not stop, and I, I can't sleep at night knowing that's the case. That's why we're looking at sentinels and marshals in our schools to protect the kids. But at the same, at the same time, though, if the guns were not available to an 18 or a 19-year-old, uh, that could be one step. If the guns did not exist, you would not have had the you know the terror the massacre that you had you can talk about mental health and other restrictions and everything is part of this this uh, mosaic but the guns are the differentiator here the students from parkland florida rallying at the state capitol pushing for tighter gun laws and one of the leaders of that rally was former democratic mayor of miami beach philip levine who is now running for the democratic nomination for governor uh, mr mayor thank you uh, let me ask you to respond to what you just heard from representative Fant, who is running for attorney general i should say it's a shame. You know, you, you, you see the puppet strings behind him. They're being actually coordinated by the NRA. He should have had a disclaimer running across the bottom. That, that's just double talk. He doesn't want to do the right thing. We understand what's going on. So that's the nutshell on gun. I want to read one article because I think this sums it up. And then I'm going to read some things that you, you didn't hear. All right. So the things you won't hear across the board. Man armed with AR-15 stops knife-wielding neighbor. Since 2007, at least 170 people have been killed in mass shootings in the United States. The grim list includes blah, blah, blah. The replies, all true. 70 million, or 70 Americans are killed every year by lawnmowers. 70 Americans killed every year by lawnmowers. 1,139 died from skateboarding. 10,386 died because of falls involving a bed. 2,167 die because of constipation. During the same time period, two gang members in the U.S. illegally are accused of kidnapping three girls, killing one in a ritual. Police. Teen attempt to detonate an explosive device at Pineview researched he's a member of isis yeah that happened all during this time and nobody talks about that they just talk about tang taking guns so i finally found the article that i totally 100 percent agree with they don't hate the nra they hate you the progressives are cranking things up to 11 on the stupid psycho scale, which is good for us in the short term. Some of us normals were growing complacent in the midterms. But we also need to open our eyes and accept the bitter reality we face. We can't just pretend the truth is not the truth because we wish it was otherwise. The left's dropping of its mask has demonstrated, once again, the undeniable fact. They hate you. Just give them a listen. Those carefully selected Moppet puppets are out there on TV telling normals, we are going to outlive you. When leftists tell you that, you're going to die first. You should believe they mean it. They have a track record of making that happen. And then there's a new meme, that the NRA is a terrorist organization. This means you are a terrorist, simply by advocating for a political view. Think about that. Labeling your political opponent as a terrorist. Gee, that's kind of ends badly. Violence against and suppression of terrorists is okay, isn't it? 
And when this ploy works with guns, it will happen with the next right the left wants to take from us. How's the blood on your hands? Sure. You were thousands of miles away in your AR-15 like the other 14,999,999 ARs out there. Never shot up a school. But just believing in the Second Amendment makes you a non-human. Those of us who know something about the history know that the people leftists regard as non-humans always tend up to be non-living. Oh, they want to have a conversation, all right. It's a conversation about how you are going to be disarmed, disempowered, and at their mercy. Crazy talk? No. Don't be gaslighted. They will tell you exactly what they want for you if you give them long enough. The beauty of social media is these creeps just can't help themselves. You just have to have a strength to listen and accept the truth no matter how unpleasant it is. Many of them want you dead again. They will tell you outright. Others will be satisfied with you just being serfs, unable to participate in your own governance, obedient, working hard to fuel the liberal redistribution machine that pays off Democratic constituents. To the fields, fly over drones, grow our kale, drive the trucks carrying our cucumber pale ale. We are, are to be the silent stagehands in the urban hipster play that is their lives. Understand that the left doesn't hate the NRA. The NRA stuff is a distraction. Leftists are dumb, but they understand the power of the NRA is really the power of millions of normal Americans coming together to defend their right to protect themselves, their families, their communities, and their constitution. That's why they fear it. That's why they can't abide it. They want your voices silenced. And the left doesn't hate guns either. In fact, the progressives fully intend to be the only group left with guns. That should turn out great for us. At best, the government that they promise will protect us with, will make excuses why they can't see red flags waving and why they can't be expected to actually protect us. Liberals have just come out of Foursquare in favor of police cowardice. Their argument is you don't need guns to protect yourself and you certainly can't expect a Democrat-run law enforcement agency like Broward Sheriff Office to protect you because that would be scary to the poor government workers. Where does that leave you? You can't protect yourself, and in return, no one from the government will protect you either. The whole outliving talk looks more and more sinister every day. And at worst, there are 100 million reasons never to be disarmed and all at the mercy of leftists. Your life means nothing to them, just as your lives lost in Chicago mean nothing to them also. There are several parklands a month in Windy City, but the Democrats who run it don't care. They know where the bad guys are. They won't act. Instead, they feign concern over the children being faking outrage while help them do what they really want to do. That's why you and them arguing that the idea of a cop actually doing his job is crazy. They want you disarmed and disempowered. Not the nuts, not the criminals, not the terrorists, not the illegal aliens. You. Why? Because they hate you. They hate that you won't submit. They hate that you won't obey. And they hate that you refuse to give up your only means of protecting yourself and preserving your right. They hate you. Now, I don't believe they're going to kill me. But I thoroughly believe this is no longer about politics. This is a culture war. And I hate to sound like Bill O'Reilly, who I hate. But it's an outright culture war. They are the only group of people that walk around and tell people how to live. They have the gall to ask you why you own that gun. Why do you have a gun? I don't have guns. Guns are evil. You shouldn't have guns. Don't have guns. And as we go into our next subject, thankfully, because I'm so sick of talking and playing sound bites that probably bore you to death about how the media is in full overdrive to take people's guns. 
But in every subject, the media, the handlers for the left, the mouthpiece of a political party, they outright tell you what to believe or try to convince you. Don't believe me? CNN, devout countries with illegal abortion hinder progress. Sad story about a young black girl in Africa. She can't get an abortion. They support things like this. National Democratic Party won't endorse poor-life Democrat Dan Lipinski. They're not giving him money because he won't be for unfettered till their toddler abortion paid for the, by the government. They played and rolled out beautiful sound bites from Hillary Clinton says abortion is a human right. Slams Trump administration was changing the way we projected in the world. Understand that that was the way it was before Obama. Abortion to liberals during the Clinton era was legal, safe, and infrequent. That was their phrase. Liberals now are, fuck your God, fuck your religion, fuck your personal beliefs. You're going to pay for people's abortions or you're a fucking racist. Sounds like the gun argument, doesn't it? You're wrong. CNN rolled out excitedly. First on CNN, Planned Parenthood to target eight states, spend $20 million as part of a midterm battle plan. Now understand, this is the network that told you the NRA runs Washington completely. Runs Washington. Have you ever heard the NRA running out $20 million? We just proved they don't even spend that much in a cycle. That's your money. We give them $550 million to do 776,000 illegal abortions chemically a year, but now they're spending $20 million of your dollars for Democrats. That organization penned this tweet, March 1st, 7.30 p.m., some men have a uterus 12 times. Now understand, it doesn't matter that science proves that that's not true, that even if you take your dick and you make it a vajayjay, you don't have an uterus. You got a little fucking pocket, which I guess I have sex and pee out of. But it's not a uterus. They can't implant a uterus in a man. We don't have the equipment to do it. That's why our hips are different. But that organization, who they've told us is a necessity, or you're a racist, literally is okay, and they abort, they kill a million people, human beings a year. So yeah, they hate you. But this fire for effect, it's not all bad news. Here's some good news. In Nashville tonight, a bitter public farewell from the city's now former mayor after an extramarital affair with her bodyguard led to a swift fall from grace. Megan Barry resigning from office today, hours after pleading guilty in court to theft of property, accused of taking city funds. Our Carrie Sanders is in Nashville and has details. Right, your right hand, please. Tonight, the now former mayor of Nashville smiling for her mugshot. Uh, guilty or not guilty? Guilty. 
Megan Barry pleading guilty to a felony theft charge, then resigning her office. Well, my time today as your mayor concludes. A sudden and dramatic fall for the once popular mayor, now facing multiple investigations, after admitting last month to a two-year affair with her police bodyguard, Robert Forrest. Both are married. Back then, Barry insisting she had done nothing illegal. And I am embarrassed, and I am sad, and I am so sorry. I know that, that God will forgive me, but that Nashville doesn't have to. But then came evidence of nude photos taken on her bodyguard's work phone while on duty. Investigators say the pair took 10 taxpayer-funded trips by themselves, including a conference in Greece, staying an extra three nights. In a two-year period, according to the Nashville Tennessean, Forrest earning more overtime pay than the other four officers on her security detail combined. Barry already coming off a difficult year. Her 22-year-old son, Max, dying of an overdose of drugs, including opioids, last July. Talking to NBC just 10 days after his death. This hole that I have in my heart will never be filled. Tonight, Nashville's vice mayor has been sworn in as Music City's newest mayor. Meantime, Barry has paid $11,000 in restitution and will serve three years probation on the theft charges. A once popular politician here, Megan Barry leaves office in disgrace. Lester? Kerry Sanders in Nashville tonight. Thank you. For those that have been through the show or with the show for a long time, through the show, it sounds like it's, it's painful. That's not a good way to promote my podcast. Um, uh, listen, folks, I don't cover a lot of local, but this, this is, this local event, you know, the, the old, the, the old saying is, politics is local. It's a true statement, cause, you know, let's be honest, this is where it all happens. You know, how it goes in the local level does make Washington work. But this is a perfect example of liberal hypocrisy, and I had a hard time where I was going to place this, either in my hypocrisy section or fire for effect, because we're recovering it, but it's perfect hypocrisy on the media. Understand, one out of ten major news agencies eventually put the word Democrat in the story. One. And I could read the, the whole synopsis of what really happened, but let me just break it down for you in a simple term. This woman, who if she was a man, would have sexually harassed a subordinate and had an affair with that subordinate, a bodyguard. She denied anything wrong. Then when it was released to the media after the subordinate's wife gave up the goods, gave a press conference that basically was out of Hillary Clinton's playbook. I'm kind of sorry, but it's none of your fucking business because it's a private matter. All right? And then refused to resign. An investigation began, and as they scratched the surface, remember this came out in January, <clears throat> In February, they already knew that she had broke the law. Sorry, I had to get a drink. She broke the law by spending government funds 
on her fuckboy. Now, at that scratching, because it was never finished, they found she had spent $11,000 on this fuck toy, and he had been paid $45,000 of overtime to take her to hot yoga classes and on events that were not work-related. She did this knowing that events that aren't on a personal calendar make them not body Guardable, so to speak, to put it in simple English. The only official things had to be on her calendar. And she started dealing. Who was she dealing with? A Democrat judge. She was dealing with a Democrat-appointed district attorney. And they worked out a killer deal. Now, remember, this lady was a huge advocate for Hillary Clinton. She was part of the Democratic plan to retake the South, where they implant super progressives. They run, like Bill Clinton did, straight up, a centrist. They say nothing crazy. They get elected, and then they take a hard fucking left, get on a fucking motorcycle, and run that motherfucker off a cliff till you're super left. She turned Nashville into a sanctuary city. She wanted to bring mass transit to a place that's not going to ever use mass transit. She totally changed the game. She was going to go uber left, brought in a fucking soccer team to the south. She thought she could get away with it. But when a Class C felony came up, she made the best deal you could ever get, and only a Hillary Clinton sycophant could get away with it, just like her server, just like her foundation, just like everything they've ever done. She was forced to resign as part of the plea deal. She gets three years probation. It gets expunged in three years, so the Democrats can roll her the fuck back out on a ballot somewhere. And they stopped the investigation. Now, this investigation didn't go deep. TBI just got a hold of it. It was the first thing. And everybody said, let's not hurt her. The city's had enough. The local channels started running this fucking bullshit line of this is costing taxpayers $380 an hour. And in a week, it'll be $4,000. And the taxpayers will have to pay all this money. Is it really worth doing this investigation for this beautiful mayor that we love so fucking much? And they stopped the investigation. This lady was a city councilman for six years. She's been in government for eight years. They only covered about a month. Then on top of it, the entire Democratic establishment of, of <clears throat> Nashville laid the fault at the feet of the cop, the subordinate. And the AP was the only person that put Democrat in it. Everything I read, Chris Saliza rolled out an article that we have in our hypocrisy section. No, I, I scrubbed it. It literally is just a piece pretty much saying, what a waste of a great star. Not the Republican angle. Look at the hypocrite. Look at the abuse of power. Look at the cronyism. Look at these Republicans letting her get off. None of that was ever happened. A local news agency put up a tweet. They took the fucking shit down because everybody other than the sycophants pretty much said this is bullshit. 
Only an elitist would get a deal like this. She committed a crime. She took our city ta- money, money from taxpayers, and spent it on her fuckboy. If she was a man, would you ever charge the person who was the fuck toy more? Would they not get their shit expunged? Because he doesn't. The rest of his life, he has a felony now. Because he fucked a mayor who will be a candidate for the Democrats because they have stuck to what I read at the end of the last podcast. This is a partisan affair. This is a private affair. My friends, when you spend fucking tax money on your fuck toy, that's not a private affair anymore. That is abuse. That's a felony. But just like Hillary, this lady got away with it. And you will hear Megan Barry in the future, either in state or federal politics. She'll be back in play in three years. Because the liberals, they're still with the Trump train. It's all a conspiracy. People were actually blaming Trump and hashtagging resistance to this. It's all a conspiracy to get a good liberal woman. It's all sexism. No, this is abuse. If you're a woman and you put your fucking vagina in the company ink, you're just as to be blamed as a man. And I thought it was a perfect synopsis. No Republican would get away with this. Anywhere in the country. CNN would have ran that piece. Abuse of power, cronyism, hypocrisy. So, we're finishing our fire for effect, and somewhere back there you're like, Tony, we haven't talked about DACA forever. Well, we're going to close it with a DACA soundbite. This one's good. Then we're going to go to a music break, and we're going to come back into our tweets of the day, hate tweets, hypocrisy, stats of the day, and a great segment today, which is about Jake Tacker, Tapper bringing out the Farrakhan. Oh, he is the only person in the media, even though just two weeks ago I called him a crony piece of shit because of his gun witch hunt that he had on national TV. This is pretty gutsy because he's taking on the Women's March, so i got to cover it. And then we'll close the show with news and social media nuggets. But this soundbite on DACA is perfect, perfect, Perfect! Hypocrisy. Back to back. We're going to play a DACA soundbite where they blame Trump. Chris Cuomo blames Trump for the DACA fiasco. It's his fault. Not Obama, who used his Blackberry and pen and just said, fuck federal law. And then we're going to play a soundbite of an Obama staffer that was brought on CNN who literally had the gall to say Trump is a piece of shit because he's not picking up his bag. He's blaming Obama. And she adds in he's unconstitutionally capable to be president. I thought it was a perfect juxtaposition between these two sound bites that you can actually blame Trump for what Obama did and then you have the balls to literally say it's wrong for a president to blame his predecessor. Obama spent eight fucking years saying Bush. That's why his fucking presidential portrait was in front of a bush and i just think you know it's just indisputable that you you have 
not just a an erratic, impulsive president, but the fact that he can't keep people uh, in their roles, uh, you know, a shoddy uh, security system, uh, and and this issue of security clearances because of the nepotism in the West Wing. Uh, has gotten out of hand. Well, and also, look, it's just a great window into one of the ongoing points of frustration for Americans, which is, boy, are you being too negative on President Trump? Let's look at just this moment in time, okay? He should be tweeting about what just developed with North Korea. Well, he's missing an opportunity to take credit for it, which lots of people are giving him. And then he also tweets about DACA and misstates the proposition of the state of play, saying it's all about the Democrats. They don't want to make a deal. One, you've got a judicial proceeding. Two, his party was split, and that's putting it gently about what to do about this. So who is creating the criticism of the president? He is by going out too far on chaos. That is true, and he's denying, misstating the DACA deal, and underplaying North Korea. He's relying on us to pump up what the administration just did when that's his job. Well, and, let, and let's just talk about DACA for, for a second because, you know, these young people are still at risk. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a very important point to make. You know, this, the, there was a March 5th deadline mm -hmm. that, that the president himself created. I mean, it is worth remembering that the, the president created the whole DACA crisis in the first place. If he hadn't, if he hadn't overturned the President Obama's executive order, the DACA people would be, you know, at rest. For any other president, it would all be North Korea this morning. They said it couldn't be done. Obama couldn't get it done. He didn't do the sanctions that we did. He couldn't work the policy the way we are. He couldn't get the South involved the way I did. Now we're going to have history. I may be in the same room with Kim Jong-un. This was seen as impossible before my election. Why isn't he making that case? Why is he focusing on things that he can't prove and that only further... What is the reaction inside President Obama's um, inner circle to to these musings from the president? I mean, it's it's just, it's ridiculous. You know, and if they want to go around and say that Barack Obama could have done more, fine, stipulated, but it's your bag, pick it up. You know, does, does that mean that now he doesn't have to do anything? So, I mean, for most of us, I just think it's really sad to see someone who literally is constitutionally incapable of being a president and leading. And if he really did care about what Russia did, why didn't he start a commission? Start a commission. Every member of his intel community has said there was meddling. It happened. And he just he just moves on. And so,
Flyover Politics, the show for normal Americans. tweets oh the day hollywood reporter Def- james gunn defends chris pratt against backlash over prayer tweet for kevin smith i just had to cover that why does hollywood hate god don't got it i don't get it nate weber here's another tweet from everyone that didn't like ivanka trump being absolutely wonderful to my children her and my daughters were like best friends today it was a truly special experience for them Another one from the Olympics, Bob Sledder after meeting Ivanka and getting trashed by the tolerant left. It's important to remember that we don't have to agree on everything to get along, be civil to each other, and enjoy each other's company. It's for America. It was a pleasure to meet you both. And she was attacked mercilessly because she literally was nice to her. But our tweet of the day comes from Soledad O'Brien. I never thought I'd say these words. CNN, Chris Saliza. Donald Trump is producing the greatest reality show ever. Analysis by Chris Saliza. Soledad O'Brien. This is terrible analysis by Saliza. Is in part why people hate the media. Hey, Soledad. Thanks as always for reading. You're welcome. You have a big platform. Be thoughtful about the stories you tell and how you tell them. Chris, to her, did you actually read the piece or just making assumptions on the headline? She says, read the whole thing. Chris, then I really don't get your criticism. Soledad, the only way my criticism would make sense is if I didn't read your article. He then gets little whiny. No, I simply have no idea what your criticism is. That the piece is terrible. I suppose it's subjective. So, okay, I guess. But here's what it says. The medium and long-term impact of running a White House and therefore country on the principles of reality TV remains to be seen. People can't hear their eyes from the spectacular, sure, but lots and lots of them say they don't like what they see. Trump is betting that in a few years, enough people will vote to renew the show, captivated by what possibly could come around the corner next, whether they can admit to themselves how much they like the show. I just want to pause for a second, Um, folks. Could you have said that about Obama? Probably not, because Solonat O'Brien closes it with the actual tweet tweet of the day. It's not accurate. It's not funny. It's not clever. It's not analysis. It's facile. It shows an actual lack of understanding of reality TV. Can't believe I'm typing that. It's mediocre. It's a time when viewers need to understand what's going on on the highest levels of government, and you are not doing it boom hey tweet of the day 
Soledad. Join the rest of us. J.R. Saltzman starts our hate tweets. Retweeted Olympic Boots Burglar. Just another day for me on Twitter, dealing with all kind of wonderful people of the world. This is what he said. I'd rather be shot with an AR-15 at school than be dissed by an American hero who may or may not have killed some innocent civilians en route to making maple-cutting boards. Yeah, go back to that article. The left hates you. Hanson Piker, it is truly incredible watching the same high-paid conservative speakers who made a career off claiming that the left fears free speech collectively lose their minds over a group of high school students speaking out against the NRA. He went on to say that we hate free speech. They can't stand it, and they fear it. Somebody summed it up. Lefty's free speech means nobody can criticize. You can't criticize other people. That's not how it works. Alyssa Milano makes it. USA by the artist Eric Ravello. My God, what have we become? Some jackass put a little girl on the back of a guy with guns and a hoodie. Hmm. Okay. Okay. But our biggest hate tweet... I forgot on that one. Somebody said, now do Planned Parenthood. All this faux outrage, once again, over NRA. Do Planned Parenthood. Somebody do Planned Parenthood. Because I don't know how you you fit a million babies in your little stupid avant-garde picture. I don't think you can. But this one didn't make the news. Hashtag never Pelosi. And it's our last hate tweet of the day. More Democrats sour on the minority leader and her war on tax cut. Outright showing that even Democrats are benefiting from the tax cut. And I'm still confused why we never hear it. Let's go to hypocrisy. Oh, the day. Without the bumper. But it's back. Somehow through this soundbite, I want you to decide. Is Trump evil, a Nazi, or the KKK? Because the media is really confused on this. I applaud her. I really do. I thought she was extremely brave to stand up in that crowd knowing that she would get booed or possibly worse. Right. And say what she believed, that there is hypocrisy within the party. And, and good for her. I mean, the, the problem, I think, with both sides is that nobody does stand up anymore. Mm-hmm. You just spout the party line, whichever mm-hmm. party you belong to. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in between, the truth gets lost. Yeah. She also made the point that the CPAC group invited... This woman from France named Marine Le Pen, whose father was a Holocaust denier and a total fascist and a Nazi. And Marine Le Pen, the daughter, thinks her father was very good and right and everything else. And they invited her. There's this, like, pension for Nazis now, you know, with Charlottesville and the Neos. And they're good guys on both sides. And now Marine Le Pen. It's like a lot of the people in the Republican Party that I remember. Bill Buckley, who fought in World War II. Uh, you know, Bill Crystal, those people who are so anti-Nazi are appalled by what's going on right now in the, within this party. But how do you wrestle your party? How do, how do you wrestle your party and bring it back to the party that you grew up in? Well, what, it, what it may not be possible. But it's also, it's happening on the left Trump as well. We were going to talk about Dianne Feinstein and this yeah, pushback yeah, against yeah. her running it's for re-election. 
Uh, I think there's a huge fraction in the Democratic Party of whether or not you're going to go the pathway of Bernie Sanders or a more traditional Democrat like Joe Biden, which, again, I don't think it's as sort of vociferous as it is in the Republican mm -hmm. Party. But, but that's, that's traditional politics. We're talking about something much worse here at CPAC. You're talking about fascist conversations. You're talking about talking about you're talking about people uh, who are the minority. I mean, I'm not going to defend CPAC. They've right. done things that I can't. Well, I would never defend. What's it, interesting but. is you, you know, it, it, you really used to be the minority. It was sort of the fringe element. Yes. Mm -hmm. And now the fringe has become the norm. The, the face and of the party. I wonder if you heard any any similar discomfort with what has clearly become something your paper's written about, the releasing of pressure for this president where he rages away at Twitter and his jammies or whatever he's wearing and he watches Fox News. He called in to Judge Jeanine, Jeanine, what's her name? Jeanine Perrine. Hero calls into his favorite Saturday anchor at Fox. What does the White House say about sort of weekend Trump, where he's unleashed on Twitter and his favorite Fox shows, and then that he comes back on Monday morning and tries to put on a suit and act like the leader of the free world? Yeah. I just want to add on to Captain Courageous, in addition to his five perverts, for, for the foot bunions, he's afraid to All eat his own, his own food. We know from Stormy Daniels he's it. afraid of sharks. He's, he's afraid of stairs. Really brave fellow, that gentleman. This is not the party of Lincoln, the party of Nixon, or even the party of Reagan. This is the party of D.W. Griffith. This is the party of, K of the KKK and the party of Trump, and it has nothing to do with partisan politics. They're getting more of the same okay. and worse. He was supposed to drain the swamp. He was no, supposed no, to bring no, in the best. Well, and look at what we're be, dealing with, how he sweats not. talent, how maybe, many just comms directors maybe, he's maybe, gone through. Maybe, maybe it's not drainable. Well, maybe, ethical it's a, problems. Maybe, maybe it's a gold-plated hot tub. Maybe it's not drainable. Okay, we'll have to figure that out. But the system the way it is right now, mm -hmm. American people don't like it. Okay, and so the reason why he's going to win re-election is mm -hmm. that uh, he represents a change and a possible disruption to that system. And maybe that system can't be disrupted, okay, because... We've evacuated most of the Trump loyalists out of the White House. Uh, we don't allow access to most of the Trump loyalists into the White House. And so maybe the system itself is so powerful. Maybe the immunological system around the swamp is so powerful that uh, it will reject a disruptive move to change the system and make the system fairer and more accountable to the American. Yeah, or maybe adding a virus into that system we'll have to see. wasn't the change uh, appropriate change mechanism. Maybe he'll have to try something. You know, it goes back to a class I took in the Army called effective communication. And uh, you, you got to come up with one. That you just can't keep flipping them because you confuse your audience. Alec Baldwin got a Sunday talk show. Tell me the media isn't biased. And it actually sucked. Nobody actually liked it. Don Lemon on CNN, state-run Trump TV on Fox News, not covering Hope Hicks. Yet, John Roberts, no conservative, said, yeah, it is. And that brings us to a general synopsis. I have a huge section on this. I'm not going to go over it, but... I'll just do Chris Salissa. I think it's the best way to do it. Whenever in doubt, and I want to prove a point about the media, I just go to Chris Salissa, Chris Cuomo, all the Chris's on CNN. If you have a C in your name on CNN, you're a fucking douchebag. Hope Hicks, totally ridiculous explanation for why she quit. First of all, that title implies all sorts of bias. Second of all, if she was a liberal and this was Fox News, Breitbart, the alt-right, which was made up by the media because they don't like them getting truth out to people that's a different truth than they try to put out, that would be sexist. But, you know, 
That's okay. These are the things he said, and I got this from David Raboy. CNN and Saliza sure know how to do the unbiased thing, don't they? If you think now is a perfect time for Hope Fix to resign, I have a print media industry to sell you. This is what he said. No hope. Hope floats out of the White House. A hiccup for President Trump. Hick no. Hope heads home. This is a real journalist. But the whole coverage on that, which I could put in sound bites, but we have a lot of sound bites. Sweet God, you couldn't have done it for any lefty in the Obama administration. And I still have not heard. He won an election with the woman. And he's had more women in his administration than Obama had, but all they do is get called whores or blonde Nazis. We covered all that during the summer. I mean, Jesus. <sighs> FBI informant Campbell tells how Russians bragged that the Clintons would deliver the uranium sale. I put that in hypocrisy because you never heard that. Washington Post. Perspective. Stop comparing Trump to South American dictator. He's actually worst. That goes back to the KKK. Okay. Um, we have New York Times Haberman compares WikiLeaks harm of Hillary campaign to 9-11 attacks. You know, I, I, I just look at statements like that and go, Trump 2020. If you keep up stuff like that, it'll be Trump 2020. Because that is such hyperbole. Another hypocrisy during this phase, which I thought was just classic, Joe Scarborough, Romney is a paragon of conservatism. Do we remember 2012, boys and girls? I do. But somehow now, Mitt Romney, because he doesn't like Trump, he's okey freaking dokey artichokey. Yeah, I, I thought that was just fantastic. To a segment I wanted to do, but I can't do because it's too long. I'm just going to read one. This is an actual CNN Chiron. White House repeats Trump's false claim that he's tougher on Russia than Obama. People brought out charts, everything, to show that that's not so. But conservatives ran across the world going like this. Obama ceded Syria, missile defense drawdown, ignoring INF vision, NASDAQ hack to Bisley, to, to Bisley bombing, Diplo and NGO harassment, MH17 crashing. But my favorite across is sitting there with the Russian rep going, after the election, I'll have more leeway. Do we remember this? Does the media understand we have Google? I, you notice I didn't even talk about the Uranium One. Are you guys fucking on crack? Seriously. I was going to play a media mash today. I, I, I can't do it. Uh, too many sound bites. Mojo, Trump, TDS, across the board. Todd, couldn't cover Osama bin Laden because of Lewinsky. He actually said that. Chuck Todd did. Kimmel, you can never go too far bashing conservatives. That's the summation of the sound bite I was going to play. And... The hypocrisy of the week is the following that I'm going to play. This was an actual question to Ivanka Trump by NBC News. Do you believe your father's accusers? I think it's a pretty inappropriate question to ask a daughter if she believes um, 
the accusers of her father when he's affirmatively stated that there's no truth to it? I don't think that's a question you would ask many other daughters. I believe my father. I know my father. So I, I think I have that right as a daughter um, to uh, believe my father. That question, you know, at, at the end of the day, they say it's because, well, she's part of the administration. No. 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 No with periods of no with no and no. You could never ask Chelsea Clinton that. Chelsea Clinton was the daughter of a fucking president who used cigars as dildos on an intern, and we were told to shut the fuck up. It's none of our business. Chelsea Clinton's father was accused of raping people as governor. Chelsea Clinton's father had a worse track record than you could ever hope. Democrats, you could pin on Trump. I'm not saying Trump is a poster board for fucking monogamous relationships. But you would never ask that question of a Democratic politician's daughter. It, it would never happen. Not anytime soon. Our last long soundbite, I don't have a choice. This is the weekend. So we've gone now through all of last week. And this is the Sunday shows. This surmises guns after, well, you know, last podcast was, you know, 10 days ago. We are full-fledged confiscation conversation on our Sunday talk shows. And these Democrats are so frustrated. Mean, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say Democrats. The media, well, what's the difference? Are so frustrated over the lack of movement to take Americans' guns away from them that they are exasperated. And I think you hear it as we go into our stats of the day. You've said also um, that gun control laws are not achievable right now. And you've been advocating, correct me if I'm wrong, a school safety first program. What makes sense to you Correct. from where you sit? Well, part of the problem is the media. Like before you got on, you started talking about the AR bill and it takes away from the focus of what's important to me. And I think a majority of uh, Americ Americans, they want to just know their kids are safe. So every time the media starts talking about gun control, it takes away from our objective of making our schools safe, which is achievable right now if we come together. If the media stops saying gun control and just, instead of using the word gun control, put in their school safety, it's going to be an easy task for us to get together and make it happen. But the question is, school for, for many people, and in fact the polls show this, for many people, school safety is equated with getting rid of assault rifles or at least putting strong restrictions on who can get their hands on assault rifles and weapons that were designed as weapons of war as opposed to personal safety or uh, uh, hunting, those kinds of things. Uh, why not talk about restricting or banning those kinds of weapons? Because that's not going to solve the problem next week. Next week, I want my kids safe. If I had one that went to school, but I don't. But every other one, every so other person I know has kids going to school. Next so week? how's it going to ban banning ARs 
say there's a few million rifles, how's that going to make them safe next week? We want them safe next week, the American people. And let's talk about, let's unpack this confiscation and due process. Let's not allow the NRA to continue to wrap themselves in the only constitutional mantle as if that exists. Other countries have implemented programs to take back weapons that are particularly dangerous, that have been used in mass shootings, that have been used to kill first graders, teenagers, etc. There are programs in place. 97% of this country wants background checks. A substantial majority want tighter gun control. Let's not do as we've done so many times before by say the Second Amendment due process constitutional rights. This is the time. If there's one thing this week, a week of worry, a week of tumult, a week of chaos, but a week where children, teenagers have stood forward and say enough is enough and things may finally change and that well, this may be the week we remember for that as the as the gun owning texan at the table where i have five five rifles and i went hog hunting last week in texas with a whole group of guys all of whom are gun gun carrying texans all of them say why can't we get this done the problem that the nra the nra doesn't speak for most of americans the NRA doesn't even speak for most gun owners. The NRA speak, they speaks for a very small sect of people that have drawn a line that says you can have no restrictions, which, of course, the Supreme Court has never said. The Supreme Court has said you can have reasonable restrictions in this. Right. You mentioned our, our town hall, and I, uh, I do want to say that those young people um, are just extraordinary. I mean, you have, you've had now a year adults acting like children, and now the children are acting like adults and trying to get something done. You may not like everything that they say or everything that they want, but the fact that you have young people in this country who are willing to stand up and call it like it is, you got, I mean, I, I went to high school. The worst thing that happened to me in high school was late homework and some bullies. I never had to hide under my desk and work and, and drill so I didn't have to have my brains blown out all over my classroom. That's happening in every classroom in America. So you have a generation of young people that I think we need to stand with and listen to very carefully because they're on the police and the young people who are on the front lines are saying the and same exact thing. Georgia, there's two and there's Georgia, and there's two. gun owner. This guy now wants to be the president for life. Well, it's funny you say that. It's a good transition to guns, right? And that whole public spectacle that seemed like, well, look at that. And it was maybe more about just him wanting to be at the center of the spectacle. But I am curious here. It does look like we're about to complete the cycle of, of, of a gun. There's a, a massive tragedy. People wringing their hands. We've got to do something. And then the paralysis sets in. Michael Gerson says the following, Tom, which I think captures the gun debate well. It's one of the dirty habits of our political discourse that so many people use thermonuclear rhetorical weapons as a first resort. It is not enough for defenders of gun rights to be wrong. They must be complicit in murder. It is not enough for gun control advocates to be mistaken. They must be jackbooted thugs laying the groundwork for tyranny. And that is why we have no gun policy in this country. Well, I, the gun thing, uh, I've spent a lot of my life on it. I'm a gun owner, as I've said often before. I go in and out of gun shops out in the West, and I've grown up with them. I don't think that we can piecemeal it. I have come to the conclusion that we have to get holistic about how we deal with guns. We've got to get a blue ribbon panel out of the Congress and the American people and get together and say, this is what we have to do in a macro sense, not just about the access to AR-15s or the bump stocks. You can't do it piecemeal. Right. You've got to change the consciousness of the country about the place of these weapons and what we need them for. AR-15 owners will say, oh, I need them to protect myself. So I went and looked at two or three incidents in which a guy had an AR-15 and defended himself. He did it from four feet away. He would have been just as happy with a short barrel shotgun or another kind of weapon. He didn't need an AR-15. You, Dad? You have kids? I'm you have kids? I'm, I have a, a five-year-old, and we all want our kids to be safe. And I'm for the things you just talked about. To that point, yep. and dad to dad, because everything else I find is just doesn't matter until we get those assault weapons. You can't believe as a dad 
that we should have assault. And I don't want to have a slippery slope discussion. I want to have a dad discussion. That assault weapons, that military attack weapons, belong in our stores. A, uh, an AR-15 is a semi-automatic weapon. It is not a military weapon. Well, it well, is meant well, to well, look was like it. Somebody it, can go in but, and, and kill 50 people with one swing. For, I'm not talking about logistics of a gun. I'm talking about we That's all why, have children. And, I just want to go back really quickly sure. and, 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 and challenge you just on you saying that okay. AR-15s don't resemble military-style weapons. I said they when, resemble them in cosmetic but, features, which is true. But you know, Congressman, people watching this will say that you're having a semantic argument about the cosmetics of a gun, and it was enough to kill 17 high school kids. It was enough it was. to wipe out a classroom full of first It was, and that's why we need action, and we need to make something happen immediately, and we need to talk about school safety. We need to get rid of the we assault weapons. About, you know what we need to we do. We need to talk about weapons. Uh, all we right, need to talk all about right, all uh, of Okay, okay, okay. Uh, uh, Let's be respectful. We've had enough of the lies, the sanctimony, the arrogance, the hatred, the pettiness, the fake news. We are done with your agenda to undermine voters' will and individual liberty in America. So to every line member of the media, to every Hollywood phony, to the role model athletes who use their free speech to alter and undermine what our flag represents, to the politicians who would rather watch America burn than lose one ounce of their own personal power. To the late night hosts who think their opinions are the only opinions that matter. To the Joanne Reeds, the Morning Joes, the Mikas. To those who stain honest reporting with partisanship. To those who bring bias and propaganda to CNN, the Washington Post, and the New York Times. Your time is running out. The clock starts now. Here, it's the hypocrisy uh, of Hollywood sitting in there with armed guards uh, around them to, to be trashing the NRA. I applaud the NRA's response that they put to that, saying, let's stand up for our veterans. Let's stand up for our heroes. Let's stand up for those who fought for our freedom. Let's stand up for those who uh, gave their lives and, and blood uh, for Hollywood's opportunity to, to give their free speech. I just think the hypocrisy of these celebrations uh, are, are, are so obvious. Go ahead, Angela. So, Alice, are you our retainer? Like, last week we were sitting right here. We're not in the same place. But we were sitting right here on this show, and you did the same NRA public service announcement. Like, these folks are wrong as two left shoes. They are wrong. This isn't about the NRA standing up to protect people in Hollywood. This isn't about people who are out of touch. The NRA is out of touch. Like, if you don't know anything else right now, let's lay partisanship aside. Let's lay all of this aside and say, kids have died. The NRA is out of touch. They are in God's way. Common had it right. Right? Like, there, we didn't need anybody to tell us that. We don't need you on here telling us how amazing the NRA is. They're not. They're terrible. They are terrible. And it's high time that somebody that wasn't just standing up for the Second Amendment 
and we don't even have time to unpack all of that. But like, it's high time that there is an organization that competes with them to say, we are not going to allow you to buy public service. That is not for sale. You owe everything to this country. You owe public service. You have to protect your constituents. Like, yeah. please stop with I can't do, I can't. Not with the NRA. Well, let me I didn't just say this. Well, it's an accidental tantrum. But I just no. can't do the NRA PSA tonight. I can't do it. I can't. Look, Maybe look, it's because it, my throat is sore. I'm just, I'm not in the mood. You know, the hypocrisy of Hollywood to be sitting there t t um, criticizing the NRA when they have armed guards around. I don't see, you know where it. these people it's are from. Laughable. Rashid is from Chicago. Like, uh, like, stop. Just stop. Like, but Alice, also, I like you as a person, but this is crazy. Stop. But also, Alice, when you talk about armed guards, the people who are there protecting are police officers. Many of them are retired police officers. Some of them are on the job. They're trained to carry guns. Those are the people who who um, most Americans around the country are saying should be able to carry guns. Most right. Americans want, you know, very stringent background checks. They want some sort of gun control. The, the NRA members are a very small minority of what America actually wants. They're holding there, the rest there, of us of all, hostage. We have CBS News. Justice Department plans to sue California over sanctuary laws that help protect undocumented immigrants. I was very excited about that. I want to cover two little things that go with it. CBS, across the board, all week, decided that they were going to go full-fledged illegal support. During that, I am no longer watching SWAT, who basically said it was bad for a cop to do what the federal government told him to. And my favorite show, Blue Bloods. Yeah. Love that show. They fired a cop. For a guy jaywalking, he failed to cover or follow commands. They fired the police officer for violating sanctuary city laws. You know, you would think they would do this because these are law enforcement shows. How hard it is for a cop to deal with DACA when you have sanctuary cities. That could have been the angle. That the federal government needs to get their shit together because when these cities are doing this, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. They did the opposite. The cops are wrong. Illegal immigrants are just victims. They never put, do any crimes. And, you know, do I need to remind any of you moon bats to listen to my show? All the goddamn cases of illegal immigrants committing crime from driving to drunk driving to et cetera. Do I need to do it? Do I need to do it? I don't think I do. To our traditional stats, where's the media on Trump? 91% negative. Once again, not a Trump guy, but 91% negative? That's some serious freaking shit, boys and girls. That is just horrible, and that they should just be ashamed. Just freaking ashamed. And during that, it makes sense that, well, somebody's got to be affected. Is it Trump? No, his ratings have gone up, actually. His, his approval ratings are up, but... Uh, 19% total day, 16% total night decrease year on year on CNN. Yeah. That, 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 
I don't think the president's getting hurt. You are, CNN. Peter Jameson brings us another incredible stat that nobody's going to talk about. D.C. high school graduation rate is posed to drop from 73% last year to 42 Because they actually did reassessments and they're freaking horrible. Did you hear this stat, boys and girls? Bernie Sanders got foreign help from Australia. He broke the laws, getting filed, fired, or fined. Fined is the word I was looking for. He's getting totally fined. But the coverage I saw was out and out meek. Yet every revelation, breaking news, CNN just heard Trump ate Russian dressing. Which brings us to a great statistical article. I I just want to read a little bit of it. Um, Democrats have been as hard to miss as a California wildfire, and yet they still miss it. In short, there's enough proof of Russian collusion by Trump to fuel a stovetop pilot light. In contrast, the Democrat collusion with Russia blazes on. From Mueller's stuff, administration Russian reset began in Geneva, March 6th. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton huddled the Russian minister, the red button. And this article goes on and on to show, over the time period, how many things Obama did with Russia. That was collusion. It was collusion. And your media doesn't cover it. So, Jake Tapper, our one subject today, before we have some fun. And I know this is very disconjoined because I'm trying to wrestle five animals, a roof and quote, and the wife is supposed to be here, but she's not because she got called out of town. So this podcast is an apology to all my listeners, and on Sunday it'll be much better. But it's been very difficult to try to pull this off with all this jackassery. But I'm going to pull this segment off, because this is amazing. If those that don't remember, there was a photo released just a while back from 2005 of Obama with Farrakhan. The Congressional Black Caucus hangs out with Farrakhan. And as we know, Linda Sassauer and many an entity within the Women's March, they are all up with Farrakhan. Those that don't know, Farrakhan's a bad guy. He hates Jews. He hates everybody, and he's a fucking racist. But because we're a Democrat-run media, it's always suppressed. Well, Jay Tapper, I believe, in my heart of heart, felt the shame of what that gun witch hunt was that he was part of, decided to come out. This actually made air on his show and his show only. And this was one thread. From February 28th. It's taken me a week to do it. On Sunday, Reverend Farrakhan gave his Savior's Day 2018 address, attended by thousands, including one of the co-founders of the Women's March, Linda Sassauer. Shortly after one hour, ten minutes, and fifty seconds in the video, Farrakhan proclaims that the powerful Jews are my enemy. The amazing thing in this, he provided YouTube videos. He then tweets at two hours or two minutes, maybe it's two minutes, 57 seconds. It's hard to tell with the way he wrote this. He begins approvingly quoting some of the anti-Semitic comments made by Reverend Billy Graham and President Nixon. At 2.59, Farrakhan approvingly cites Nixon and Graham attacking Jews, grip on the media and Hollywood, and how the Jews were responsible for all of this filth and denigrating behavior Hollywood is putting out, turning Men into women and women into men. Hmm. That's not very liberal. 
315, Farrakhan calls Jews the mother and father of apartheid. Assailing Keith Ellison at 321, let me tell you something. When you want something in the world, the Jew holds the door. He then said, white folk are going down and Satan is going down and Farrakhan has pulled the cover of the eyes of the satanic Jew. I'm here to say your time's up. Your world is through. This is who Farrakhan is. It's why folks are legitimately so offended when they found out that then-Senator Obama and members of the Black Caucus met with him in 2005. And he posted the photo. The ADL National has lots more on comments of Farrakhan. How do you think this was received? Oliver Willis, a African-American journalist. Trump is president, said Nazis good people, but your regularly scheduled right-wing virtue signaling is noted. Ah, yes, well-known Trump lover and alt-right Nazi apologist Jake Tapper getting drained into the comments for daring to call out Farrakhan as a bigot. Oliver Willis again. Trump is president and said Nazis are good people, but you are a right-wing bootlicker. Jake Tapper. One would have to have a pretty warped view of the world to think reporting on condemning anti-Semitism is right-wing. And then, after a bunch more started jumping him, and right on cue, a left-wing activist attacks a journalist reporting on condemning Farrakhan's anti-Semitism. Either bigotry is okay, or it isn't. And I fell the fuck out of my seat. This fell out of my seat. I was in shock. He then had the gall to do this. The co-chair of the Women's Mart, amidst criticism of her attendance at the anti-Semitic Farrakhan speech, tweets praise for those leaders who have some enemies as Jesus. And here comes the reply. Tamika D. Mallory. If your leader does not have the same enemies as Jesus, they may not be the leader. Study the Bible and you will find the similarities. Ostracizing, ridicule, and rejection is a painful part of the process. But faith is the substance of things. Asari Q. Nomani. Thank you, Jake Tapper, for having the courage to call out what those of us in the Muslim community know, that Women's March leaders support someone who is not only anti-Semitic but also sexist. Do you think he allows women to lead prayer and women and men? No. And he or she or whatever the fuck this is, Another quote, you lazy women, you don't know how to cook, so you you take your children to these damn fat, fast food places. Jake Tapper, this convo too is hot and messy. The woman asks Mallory about Farrakhan. Minister Foy immediately hops in and demands that she answer for Netanyahu. Women's March board member Linda Sassauer jumps in to encourage Foy. There's another good question when it comes to the Women's March leaders. Tamika Mallory and Linda Sassauer support for Farrakhan. In addition to his anti-Semitism, he espouses misogynistic and anti-LGBTQ views. How is it true to the cause of the Women's March? This, right now, is the only time I've ever seen anybody in the mainstream media call out the Women's March. Because that's what I and anybody else who've actually researched them knows. Linda Sassauer is an Islamist. She placates the LGBT stuff. But remember, Islamists throw gays off a fucking roof. I just say gay marriage should have been a state right. And I'm a fucking homophobe. Okay. That's the same. 
But this goes way, way back, my friends. Reverend Wright was a church Obama went to. We were told to shut the fuck up. It's none of your damn business. Just because he goes to that church. But Mike Pence is culpable from a church that before he ever went to did conversion therapy. All across the board, every conservative is held accountable for the crazies up in fucking Wichita, Kansas and say God hates fags. Everything any reverend ever said, anything the KKK does, anything David Duke ever says, they're all culpable for it. The left has never been held to this standard. And the key point to all of this, even though his network won't cover it, if there's nothing wrong with Louis Farrakhan, why didn't the press, the press, release the picture of Obama with him? Why did the press suppress Reverend Wright? Why did the press never let any of this about the Black Caucus come to light of day. There's nobody I know who's African American who doesn't think Louis Farrakhan isn't a fucking anti, or a semi, anti-semi, a hater of gays, and an outright fucking racist. But the Women's March finally was held accountable by somebody, and here's their statement. Women's March is committed to fighting all forms of oppression as outlined in our uni principles, blah, blah, blah. Women's March is an intersectional movement made up of organizers with different backgrounds who work in different countries, blah, blah, blah. Minister Farrakhan's statement about Jewish, queer, and trans people are not aligned with the Women's March unity principles, which were created by a woman of color leader and are grounded in Kregelian no nonviolence, whatever the fuck that is. Women's March is holding conversation with queer, trans, Jewish, and black members of both our team and larger movement and creates space for understanding and healing. Our external silence has been because we are holding these conversations and are trying to intentionally break the cycle that pit our communities against each other. We have work to do as individuals, as an organization, as a movement, and as a nation. The World Women's March seeks to build is one free from anti-Semitism, homophobia, the list of all the bullshit. We are rooted in a vision of a world where all women, including black women, Jewish women, lesbian, queer, bi, trans, Muslim, disabled, blah, fucking blah, are free and able to care and nurture themselves and their families, however they are formed, in safe and healthy environments, free from structural impediments. Building the world will take a long time and will require patience and empathy for each of other. We believe it is worth it. In community, Women's March. Nowhere in there is it. My bad. All our leaders went there because they agree with everything that fucker said because they're Islamists. And no other media covered. This is bullshit. The intersectionality is all bullshit with the Women's March. The Women's March is outright only about abortion, cut and dry. And they could give a fuck about trans, they could give a fuck about anything. They're about abortion and getting Trump impeached. 
Their leaders and creators are rooted in serious, no-shit, horrible, Muslim Brotherhood linkage. They fucking hate America, and it goes back to my current theme that I've been saying to anybody who listen to me. They don't love America the way that it is. They want to make America what it's never been. And within that is Sharia law. There is not a member of the creating founders of the Women's March that has not talked about Sharia law. Everything about American feminism is against the hijab, but all the creators wear hijab. So I cover it to hit the total hypocrisy that's within the left, the media, and I also cover it to give a shout out to Jake Tapper. That's ballsy. He went against the grain big time. It's hard to find somebody to go this far against the grain. But he did it. So I gotta say a positive. But at the day end of this conversation, nothing will change. The Women's March is a hateful group. And they think Louis Farrakhan is okie dokie. We're not gonna go into news and social media nuggets. We're not gonna do a music break today because we're really long. But let's get in to the fun part. Of this podcast. This, this is this is something, man. This is this is our generation, man. All you people, we're all together, man. It's groovy. And dig yourselves because it's really groovy. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls and they'll pop your face. Save the whales. in the military now. To our military corner, which we have not done in a very long time. So I have some fun stuff. The six types of lieutenants that you just can't avoid. Number one, Lieutenant Clueless. All lieutenants are clueless, but that can't all, all can't really be the case, or else the service would be even more screwed up than it already is. All LTs take a while to get up to speed, but Lieutenant Clueless seem to be coming more undone every day, not less. And we've, you may have been in the military, you've had that. LT Tacticals number two. LT Beast Mode. Yeah, we, we hate that guy. The guy that does all the freaking extra freaking PT and thinks he's a badass. LT Nerd, which is not bad. I kind of like the nerds. LT Mustang, which is the prior service guys. And LT Niedemeyer. <laughs> a character in a movie. I thought that was pretty funny. Serious subject. Here's what the Army proposed gender-neutral combat test really looks like. Now, for reasons un... Uh, unknown for me, uh, the Pentagon decided not to get rid of this transgender bullshit. So, for a very long time, with the Obama military, of course, they were going with anybody can do every job, which is not working out. There's not a lot of women in infantrymen. Nobody's made it through SEAL training. Only two people made it through Ranger School. It's just not going to be a thing. It's a physical impossibility. When the average male who's a badass can't do it, not a lot of women are going to be able to do it. But, they really want to go gender neutral. 
So, in the latest incarnation of it, six proposed events. The deadlift, standing power throw, tee push-up, sprint, drag, carry, leg, tuck, and two-mile run. For the deadlift, soldiers lift their maximum weight three times. The standing power throw requires soldiers to throw a 10-pound medicine ball behind their head as far as possible. With tee push-ups, soldiers extend their hands out to their sides at a 90-degree angle after each push-up. Okay. Sprint drag carry is a fit, a soldier sprint 50 yards, drag 90 pound sled for 50 meters, sprint another 50 meters, carry two 40 pound kettleballs for 50 meters, and then sprint a final 50 meters. The leg tuck requires soldiers to hang from a pull up bar, bring their knees and thighs to touch their elbows. Huh. I, I just don't know why they just don't leave it the way the fuck it is. It's either just do push-ups, sit-ups, and run, or do a 25-mile row march. 25-mile row march is no shitter. You either finish it within eight hours or you failed. And you have to retest within a week. It's pretty simple. To keep on my theme that I've been having lately, that Democrats really fucking hate the soldiers. We've gone about how they didn't want the parade, how the city councilman and the uh, professor said that they're all low-skill-set morons. A dim candidate under fire for calling her opponent a crusty old Marine. Hmm. Yeah. And then the intersectionality of dogs, service dogs, and soldiers. Watching a lot of TV lately, but watching some documentaries on it. You know, I, I just, I have three dogs that are, two are hybrids and one's just a husky, but they could have been, one of them, the female who's on the floor next to me right now, literally could have been a police dog. She's a fucking spaz, very aggressive, and she would have been great at it. But this is a story that surfaced about a dog in Iraq. So I ran into former 13 Foxtrots for Deserve today at a party. Naturally, we started telling Army stories, so no shit, there he was in Iraq with 237 armor. The unit had picked up a local mud or unit, as units do, named Trackpad, because, well, Army unit. He was a unit doggo, and when guys came back from patrol, they had a fuzzy friend to meet them when they rolled back in. However, this is the U.S. Army, where the fun is outlawed, so the order came down to get rid of all dogs. So the guys took trackpad in their vicinity and drove him to the other side of the city and dropped him off. They weren't going to shoot him. They're on their way back, and bam, ambush. My dude is engaged, and all of a sudden he hears a bark from behind him. He recognizes the bark immediately. It's trackpad. He turns behind him and sees a dude hefting an RPG about to light him up. Dude opens up, takes down the insurgent, pretty much saving the convoy. A minute later, the small shape comes running out of the building where the insurgents have been. It's trackpad. He followed the convoy for about six miles, spotted the insurgents, started barking to alert his old friends, saved some lives for sure. Dude obviously grabs trackpad and puts him in his truck. They roll back to the base and literally everyone on the convoy walks to the CO's office and said, Look, this dog saved our lives. Ain't no way this dog is going anywhere. The command caved and trackpad got to stay on the base. Dude rotated home eventually and he found out that trackpad was later adopted by another soldier and made it home to the good old U.S. Yeah, that happened. This is why I love trading war stories. Also, if anyone has a photo of Trackpad, I'd love to see it. Thanks for listening. Man, love stories like that. I've known about five or six guys talked about that kind of shit. I've read stories all over the place about how service dogs have become true fucking warriors and saved a lot of asses in these wars. And, you know... That's why I keep covering the stories. To our college crazy.
UCLA hosts undocumented, unafraid forum for DACA. Several UCLA departments hosted a forum Monday to galvanize support for illegal immigration and discuss recent developments related to the DACA program. Roughly 300 people attended, including several Democratic elected officials, who told the audience members that winning elections is ultimately the only way to achieve their goal. What is your goal? Immigration or just more votes? Hmm. Student government election delayed to give lefty ticket a chance. Two student campaigns with top spot in their student government managed to force a second election after they lost the first when several discriminatory comments were found on Twitter. University of Texas Austin student body president and vice president made several derogatory remarks directed at white students prior to the election. Who isn't that special? Sounds a lot like Hillary, doesn't it? Rutgers paper blames Florida shooting, wait for it, on toxic masculinity. I'm not. UVM staffers launches hunger strike for diversity and demands. Students at University of Vermont held a rally this week in support of a staffer who was on a hunger strike to demand that the university implement an extensive list of diversity-related demands. Protesters want UVM to install a permanent BLM flagpole on campus, impose mandatory diversity training, and increase funding for students of color. So the American flag is fucking evil, but the BLM flagpole, oh, we got to get that shit up. Dominatrix host BDSM 101 for Valentine's Day at UCLA. God damn it, got the illegals and dominatrix. Who wouldn't want to go to that school? UCLA hosted Mistress Justine Cross, a local consultant for BDSM, for Valentine's Day. Workshop on bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, sadism, and masochism. Cross website asserts that rape culture is endemic to our culture and political climate. And posits that BDSM can be used as a tactic of resistance. Yeah, that makes sense. It's kind of like the racism shit nowadays. Well, reparations and blacks get a free pass because everybody was racist. Well, then you're racist. But okay, I guess we fix the fucking patriarchy by letting women beat the shit out of men. Somehow that makes sense to them. Syracuse Group hosts non-binary version of vagina monologues. What do you call that? What's a non-binary? Is there something between a dick and a vajayjay? I don't... What? A student group at Syracuse recently put on its own variation of the vagina monologue was more inclusive with non-gendered genders. The feminist play had come under fire in recent years portraying gender through a white, cis-normative lens with transgender activism, complaining that it implies that all females have a vagina. Hey, is this mic on? Females have vaginas. Males have penises. How did this get lost? Where in the fucking Judas Priest do we lose this? Iowa bill aims to protect belief-based student groups. This is fantastic. Go, Iowa. I, I just love it. A Christian group successfully sued the University of Iowa after administrators revoked its status for rejecting an openly gay candidate, and they did it on their statement of faith. If you can have BLM groups, if you can have gay groups, Latino groups that do not admit anybody else, why can't Christian groups not admit people that don't fit within their dogma. 
How is that so difficult for you to understand? College includes it among gender-neutral pronouns. This I love. Okay, this goes against everything I've ever heard. But you go with your bad self. Burn Mar College, never heard of it. Inclusion Center offers a pamphlet and lists eight different gender-neutral pronouns, including co, that's C-O, kit, like the car, and it. The guide admits it's not exhaustive, providing a link to Tumblr page with royal, animal, nature, general, and non-English pronoun selections. I did the work for you, folks. And here are the ones. She, he, they, it, z, c, that's s-i-e, co, x-e, or x-i-e, v-e, and kit. And they even tell you to do that. Reflexive. She likes herself. He likes himself. They like themselves. It likes itself. Possessive pronouns. That is it's. <laughs> they had a whole fucking handout, and within that one on the Tumblr page, um, Hugh, Hugh me, whomself, H U M E S E L F. Zig, Z, Zinjin, S-I-G-N, Zikzelf, Tay, Tem, Tur, Temself, and as I was reading, oh, they even had Pup, Pups, and Pup Self, Meow, Muse, Meow, Meow, Self, and I thought, are we on a fucking damn version of Star Trek? Are these Vulcans? Because that's what that shit sounded like. I, I... I sometimes just think this has got to be a joke, right? It's got to be a joke. It can't be not a joke. And then my favorite subject on college is microaggressions. I did a whole show on it and had a lot of fun with that handout from the University of Arizona. But this one's fantastic. Microaggressions can be lethal, Professor tells Berkeley students. And, of course, this guy came from UCLA. Yeah, it's, it's lethal. Uh, racial microaggressions can be lethal because they lead to racial battle fatigue. <laughs> During the event of free speech and racial microaggressions, Dr. Daniel Solizano also argued that microaggressions should be viewed as assault directed at people of color in order to keep them in their place. One of his slides, the accumulative stress from racial microaggression produces racial battle fatigue. The stress of unavoidable frontline racial battles is historically white space lead to people of color feeling mentally, emotionally, and physically drained. The stress from racial microaggression has become lethal when the accumulation and psychological systems of battle fatigue like PTSD. I'm not making that up. That's a real thing. Holy shit. How do we define microaggression? We know, boys and girls, verbal and nonverbal and layered assaults. It's layered. One of their examples, we built the wall first. That is a microaggression to all Latinos in this class. It's just not illegal immigrants. It is all Latinos. I have so many friends that disprove this, but that's cool. And then they have their little chart that I just thought was beautiful. Political system is top of the tree. 
every but everyday racism, racial microaggression is above that. Criminal justice, mass media, institutional racism goes down the tree. A branch is the educational system, economic system, and the roots of it all. Oh, you knew it. White supremacy. I think the best part about this is it literally proves we are paying people to make shit up. It's like back in the day, one of the greatest things you could do is come up with a jingle. Like, everything tastes better with blue bonnet on it. Now it's let's make some more bullshit about microaggressions, fucking pronouns, and all this stupid shit. And our kids have no choice but. Our last college one, my friends, and I only cover it because this is perfect to why we are being told by the media, who all come from these institutions, that we need to listen to Hogg and all them other fuckheads because they are so more enlightened than we are. They are fully woke. San Diego State introduces a course on removing Trump from office. The syllabus. Trump impeach removal or conviction. Focus will be on the two constitutional grounds, impeachment and removal under the 25th Amendment, and the possible charges of the independent counsel, the powers of the presidency, and a history of the creation of the presidency and the comparison of divine right and rule of law leadership. That's about the seventh course that we've talked about over the last 14 months that he has been president. And I want you to tell you that they got their shit together now. That's a better syllabus than what we saw initially. It was just Trump bad. Hillary won. Yeah. Which takes me to the root. I promise going forward I start running some root shit. Because remember, this is part of the NBC Universal. And it's about as racist as going to the KKK websites, in my opinion, as a normal American. Here are some of the articles. You'll never guess who doesn't react well when a woman or people of color become their boss. Everybody together now. White man! Okay. Then they do a Justice Department sues Governor Attorney General in the state of California over immigration. Surprisingly on this website, it was pretty straight up. But here are the comments of people that read the route. This one's Mercy X, Monique Judge. Laugh out loud. The raids didn't work out like they wanted. If they try to fiscally sanction California, they'll be up shit creek without a paddle. So they'll try this half-ass shit to rally their base, even though they'll be in the Russian investigation frying pan before this maneuver works through the courts. Do whatever, little man. Your card is about to get pulled. Hmm. Then Hello America did this one. They have quite a few Republican House seats in California I'm sure they'd like to hold on to. It's one thing to actively fuck over your voters, but when you publicly declare war on them, it's a very different, direct way they're going to get irritated. I highlighted that one because that's exactly what I said was going to happen out there as they handed out a million goddamn driver's license that allowed them to vote. So in the state of California, as we talked about blue state cities that have done this, They're going to allow undocuments to vote for local and state elections. Now do you see why people want ID cards? It's not racism. It's about protecting the vote. 
And then our last article from The Root. Twitter stole from me and they can steal from you too. Here's the article. It started with a diss. I don't remember the topic that brought me to the misfortune of having dog whistle racism in my Twitter mentions, but I do remember my response. Typical white lady. For that, she was put in timeout. At the next diss, she said, typical white lady again. And by the end of this article, she's saying when they blocked her and kicked her off fucking Twitter for being a fucking racist, they stole her intellectual property. Yeah. Twitter is her intellectual property. And I thought it was just funny as shit because this is one lady and there is not a conservative or just normal person who doesn't buy into all the Trump hate who has not been put in a shadow ban format or been suspended for a while off Twitter. Remember, I was for just replying to people. And it was removed. I was replying to, to, to um, political journalists. It was for about five minutes and they yanked it off. But I think they thought I was other than what I was. Because my picture was of the podcast. And they didn't see my name. And then they removed it. So I thought it was pretty funny. Gay parade permit sparks major debate in Mississippi. This is pretty interesting because this is part of just like Mayor Barry trying to make the South and whatnot it was. It took a bunch of advocacy groups to go down there and force this city to try and do it. But at the end, it was voted down. And now they're going to the ACLU. Glad uh, will be down there. Everybody, the Women's March, the whole world, it's going to go crazy. Intersectionality shall rule. Because they wanted to throw this fucking gay parade for like three people that are gay in the city in Mississippi. And nobody liked it. Hmm. Two other interesting tidbits. The Washington Post Sunday art section published an enormous paint side photo of a leftist drag queen, Taylor Mack, in the middle of the section with the headline in italics, Truth to Power, a genius in drag stages, an epic look. At U.S. history. And it was basically about dry queens. Okay. I guess that's your thing. In the incredibly stupid gorilla statue removed after complaints, it was racially, racially insensitive. This is Corsica, California. It had been there for 19 fucking years. Kids played with it. Loved it. And... At the end of the day, it was yanked because somebody was offended. Hmm. Okay, I love that one. That's just, that sums things up. To our healthy stuff, eating fruits, vegetables, and whole grains slashes depression risk by more than 10%. As a person that had chronic depression, as I talked about on this show, that's true. A healthy meal, I noticed, did help. But attached to this on a same website, which I don't remember where the hell I got it from. Millennials are the fattest generation in history. Are you surprised? They live on the internet. They don't talk to human beings except to tell them, you're a fucking terrorist, give me your gun. And yeah, I, I don't think they really work out anymore. So, Another California city did a great law this week 
It bans distracted walking. If you're caught walking around on your cell phone, you will be given a $100 fine. Hmm. To show that Hollywood is completely out of touch with reality, Barbara Streisand cloned her dog for $50,000. Yeah. In the absurd category, which I could have put up front, I'm just going to read the headline. Planned Parenthood Prez, hashtag Me Too movement, is connected to abortion. Because I'm sure female babies feel like they're getting abused too, huh? That's the only way I could figure that one out. And last but not least, before we go into our lighter fare, history of tattooing is rewritten. They opened up a crypt in Egypt, and they found mummies that were 5,000 years old with tats. And I thought that was pretty interesting, because A, that's a long time ago, but B, that shit's had to hurt, because we didn't really have good needles. So that goes back to the Samoan stuff I saw back a long time ago. Um, the Viking stuff. Man, somebody stabbing you in the head with a needle would really freaking suck. Which closes this and takes us to our lighter fare. This weekend I decided to tune in and watch Saturday Night Live. It's the first time I've watched it in a long time. And i got to admit, it was pretty fucking fantastic with uh, Charles Barkley. There was some politics, but there was a couple jabs back at the left. And here are two of the skits. One is the Grabbies to make fun of the Oscars. And another one was some stupid skit that just, I laughed my ass off. So enjoy. And now the Academy of Sexual Harassment and Misconduct in Hollywood presents the Grabbies celebrating this year's worst behavior in entertainment. We take you live to the red carpet with Danny Kilmartin and Yolanda Beast. All right, it is finally that time of year, and what a year it's been. I'm sure excited, <laughs> and as a man, I'm nervous. So many folks in Hollywood have been accused of so much this year, but who will take home the coveted Grabby? I was about to jokingly grab you with the award, Yolanda, but then I stopped myself. <laughs> Good instinct, Danny. <laughs> and look who's heading our way, Grabby nominee Tom Sturgeson. Hey, guys, hey, it's really upsetting to be here tonight. <laughs> so, Tom, you're nominated for Hands actor. Uh, that's right. I gave out a lot of unwanted massages to my female co-stars. Also, I showed an intern my penis and said, any ideas? Wow. Don't want to jinx it, but that sounds like award-winning behavior to me. Well, thanks. You'd think so, but it's uh, such a tough category this year. The competition is so stiff. Um, I'm sorry. Poor choice of words. I just mean everyone's rock hard to be here. Okay. Move along. Yep, I get that. Yeah. And look who it is approaching us on the red carpet, one of the nominees for Most Open Robe, Lenny Martin. Lenny, who are you wearing tonight? Uh, thin sweatpants with no underwear. Mmm, terrific. Now, this is such a huge moment for you. You must be so ashamed. <laughs> You'd think so, but nope. Now, can you give us a preview of your speech tonight if you win? Of course. Well, first, I'd like to thank uh, Guns for pivoting the national conversation away from harassment. Uh, I'd also like to thank my uncle for always saying, boys will be boys, even when it was like OJ. Uh, and of course, I'd like to thank Drugs and Puking for keeping me in shape. It's hard to look this good when you're 57. <laughs> I like this guy. Danny, don't. All right. Now, let's start over. 
thanks to Renee Genevieve, who's standing by with a very special guest. That's right. I'm here with Ronald Kellogg, who is receiving the coveted Cecil B. Molestin Lifetime Achievement Award. You know, when I started out in this business, I was just a kid with two hands, one floppy penis, and no sense of boundaries. <laughs> and now look at me. Praise to the devil. And if the cleanup crew at the Peninsula Hotel is watching, get to bed, you guys. You're going to have a big morning tomorrow. Okay, great. And, and is this your wife? Uh, no, this is a prostitute. This is fun. Oh, you like okay, that? Cool. Back to you, Yolanda and Danny. Oh, correction, Yolanda and Kevin. Because that stuff we always suspected about my co-host Danny just showed up on Babe.net. Happy to be here. Is this a trap? And look who it is. He's nominated tonight for Best Non-Apology, Tim Franklin. Hey, honey, how's it going? And his hand is already on the small of my back. Oops, that's why I'm nominated. <laughs> yeah. Now, when women first started speaking out in Hollywood, you made a public statement. That's right. I said all women deserve to be heard. Right. And then when a woman accused you of misconduct, what did you do? I called her a lying troll. I had my lawyer publish her home address. <laughs> But I can't help notice you're wearing several pins. Uh, is that a Time's Up pin right there? No, it said Tim's Up, because my name is Tim's, and I'm up, up for trying anything. <laughs> and um, does that one say, I'm with her? No, it says, I'm with herpes. The doctors gave it to me this morning. Well, I hope you get what's coming to you. And Renee, what kind of swag bag are people taking home tonight? Well, all the nominees tonight get a gift certificate to Massage Envy. They've got over 1,000 locations and over 10,000 accusations. And speaking of accusations, here comes the first woman ever nominated for a Grabby, Catherine Labourge. Uh, yes, so proud to be here. Wow. You know, for a woman to get accused, you must have done something truly extraordinary. Uh, yes, I bit off an intern's penis. Uh, amazing, amazing. Yeah, well, I I thought it was about time that women got into some trouble, too. That's why from here on out, I'll be peeping peepees and squeezing sausages all over Tinseltown. <laughs> okay, that's great. And uh, which movie did you work on this year? Oh, uh, Shape of Water. It was actually my job to get the fish horny. <laughs> well, congratulations. And back to Yolanda and Kevin. Nope, Kevin's gone, too. This is, I want to say, Jack. <laughs> I'd rather not say. Oh, good call. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with the nominees for Best animated grope and worst thing done to a plant. Oh, man. Twitter just found out my name. When the Grabbies return on ABC. Channel 6, Public Cable Television Authority, Fountain Valley, California. Welcome to Homework Hotline. If you're in grades 1 through 6 and need help with your homework, call the number on your screen now. Hey students, I'm Mr. Leonard, here with my study buddy Bobo. And we're here to help you with your homework. Call now! Looks like somebody's already calling in. First caller, what do, what do you need help with today? Uh, hi, my name is Kevin and my question is, when you and Bobo have sex, who's on top and who's on bottom? <laughs> Hang up on this idiot. Get a life. How rude! Yes, Bobo, he's very rude. Every day was just turkey nonsense about me and Bobo. Knock it off. Patty, you're supposed to screen these calls. How are these turkeys getting through? Well, they lie to me, and the Lord will judge them for it. <laughs> well, try a little harder, please. Next caller, what's stumping you today? Hi, I'm Whitney. I'm doing a geography worksheet, and I can't find some places. Geography? Oh, we'll need a globe for that. The globe! 
What are we looking for, Whitney? This should be easy because I think Bobo was just there last night. Where's Balls Deep USA? Balls Deep USA? Let me see. I know there's a ball town in Iowa. Bobo, were you in Balls Deep last night? Um, I think this might be another prank call. Oh, I get it now. Hang up on this turkey. Shame on you. You guys think this is funny? Look at my face. I'm not laughing. I know what'll cheer you up. Hugs and kisses. Oh, maybe you should start with the hugs and kisses. There's a bunch of YouTube videos of you hugging me with porno music tied in. A bubble loves hugs and kisses. I'm serious, dude. Don't do that again. Pat, do we have any real callers on the phone line? Well, we have a student named uh, Harry Paratestes. No, next. All right. Well, we have Ryan, who's doing a history report on the Mexican outlaw Dirty Sanchez. Absolutely not. Next. Okay. Well, we have Matthew, who's calling about the atomic weights of elements. Yes. Hello, Matthew. Hey, Mr. Leonard. Hi, Bobo. Um, those crank callers have way too much time on their hands. I agree, Matthew. I like you. What's your problem? So I have to, like, figure out the total atomic weight in an element equation. Ooh, we can use our periodic table. Yes. That's right, Bobo. Let's go to the math cam. What's the equation, Matthew? Uh, boron oxygen. B-O. Then another boron oxygen and sulfur. B-O-S. Then cobalt and carbon. C-O. Then A-C. Hold up a second. Is the next one potassium? Yeah. Oh, potassium is K. Hang up on this liar. Get a life. The phone lines are closed. Let's do one from email. Okay. Uh, Travis, who's in second grade, writes, Did you know that if you rub your pant leg, you can generate static electricity that'll make your hair stick up? Yes, Travis. That just calls friction charges the electrons. Let's try it, Bobo. Rub my pants leg. Okay. <laughs> a, a little faster, Bobo. You know what? This might be another prank. Well, that's the end of the show. We have zero kids with their homework. Patty, who's our viewer of the day? Well, today's viewer of the day is fifth grader Ron Weasley, who lives in Hermione's Bush, California. Patty, use your head, woman. I thought, you know, whatever you say about Charles Barkley, I, I, he is pretty funny. I think the guy's pretty funny. And, of course, he's going to be a liberal because he's he's an African-American. That's kind of what they're brought up to. It's just no different than if you were in the South, you're brought up to be conservative. So I don't really hold that against him. And I just think some of the stuff he does is just friggin' hilarious. He is a character within himself. So a couple of subjects I had to cover on the back end. One was going to be the Oscars, but this one really kind of fired me the fuck up. Oakland mayor suggested it was noble of her to warn illegals and ice raid. What I did was the right thing, Oakland mayor Libby Schaaf said. What she did was warn illegal immigrants in the Bay Area last weekend that ice raid was forthcoming. I'm sharing this information publicly, not to panic our residents, but to protect them, she wrote in a statement. The ICE deputy director, Thomas D. Homan, called her actions irresponsible, thanks to her warning who... Who knows how many of the 864 criminal non-citizens were able to elude authorities. 
In a press conference Wednesday, she even suggested it was a noble act. She went on to argue that she gave up no specific information that could endanger law enforcement. But she did. And that's how far the left will go. Alright? They're going to go that far to literally warn illegal immigrants so they don't get arrested. I mean, to me, that is just effing unbelievable. I would cover a lot on the Oscars, but it was pretty anticlimactic. I have one soundbite I have to play. But I but I got to put out the fact that it was down 19% for 2017. All right? And they literally said 26 million people watched it during the broadcast. Okay? And some of the things people won't really cover on this is the fact that when Hollywood actors and actresses speak out about gun control, does that make you want to support or oppose the constitutional right to bear arms? Overwhelmingly, 56% either support or strongly support, and only 32% oppose. So 32% of the country, who are already Democrats, already believe that, you know, hey, this is, this is good to go. And Greg Gutfeld summed up the night pretty well with this tweet. The Oscars original reason for being on TV to see genuine movie stars. Now it's a corporate retreat for an industry devoted to non-movie stars virtue signaling. I feel like I'm watching something that I accidentally walked into at a Marriott Convention Center. And I think that pretty sums up the soundbite I have, which is them virtue signaling, a media network saying that they it was a totally nonpartisan affair, and an actor thanking America to the chilling silence of people that hate America. So often these awards shows are like, this country sucks. It's, it's ra- racist and it's sexist and it sucks. And that's why I think a lot of the ratings have gone, because people are like, I don't want to sit at home at night and listen to that. But also, not yeah. everybody doesn't yeah. want to be continuously preached to. Right. right. Especially, I mean, by a, especially by a bunch of people who have no right to be on the, on the pulpit. Well, that lectures on morality yeah. from anybody in Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. And it was mercifully, thankfully, pretty much free of partisan attacks. Isn't that nice? That was, that was nice. Yeah, nice. Yes. It was so nice. But I still want to make sure that they were still addressing those culturally relevant moments. And they did. But they did it in a way that wasn't going to pound it down everyone's yeah. throat. Right. It wasn't like preachy from It from wasn't. Right. And yet for me, what was missing was gun control. Was all nothing was said. There was one person. Only one person talked about it. Lynn Miranda wore a little orange flag. Yeah. And I am. It was discussed on the red carpet, though. So the red carpet did discuss it. It's very fortunate and glamorous when my internal values and principles can be reflected in something as special as a diamond ring. And Zamir Hassan made this ring specifically for me to represent the Times Up movement. The black diamonds represent Times Up. There are five stones that represent only five female directors have ever been nominated for Best Director out of 450 nominees across 90 years. And there's a gentle nod to Lady Bird and that part of the setting is shaped like wings. And I'm also wearing Bulgari, which is delightful and divine and so exciting for me. But this is really something that he would design this specifically for me and for Time's Up. First Oscar ceremony lasted, and this is true, 15 minutes from beginning to end. And people still complain, but 
So if you do win an Oscar tonight, we want you to give a speech, and we want you to say whatever you feel needs to be said. Speak from the heart. We want passion. We want, you have an opportunity and a platform to remind millions of people about important things like equal rights and equal treatment. If you want to encourage others to join the amazing students at Parkland at their march on the 24th, do that. If you want to thank a favorite teacher, do that. Or maybe you just want to thank your parents and tell your kids to go to sleep. What you say is entirely up to you. You don't have to change the world. Do whatever you want. But with that said, this is a really long show. So here's what we're going to do. Not saying you shouldn't give a long speech, but whoever gives the shortest speech tonight will go home with Johnny. Tell them what they'll win. It's a brand new jet ski. Who's in comfort from the 2018 Kawasaki Ultra 310LX, the number one choice for watercraft enthusiasts. Retail price: $17,999. Back to you, Jimmy. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, jo Helen Mirren, not included. So, there you go. Why waste precious time thanking your mom when you could be taking her for the ride of her life on a brand new jet ski? This is not a joke. I will be timing you. I have a stopwatch. The moment you are handed that Oscar, the clock will start ticking. So get up here, grab it, and go. And in the unlikely event of a tie, I need to say, the jet ski will be awarded to Christopher Plummer. So... Well, uh, my, uh, my deepest thanks to the Academy and its members for this, um, oh, this, this glorious prize. I owe this and so much more to so many. I have, uh, I've lived in America for the longest time, and I am deeply grateful to her for the loves and the friendships I have made and the many, the many wonderful gifts it has given me. My, my home, my livelihood, my family, uh, and now Oscar. Um, the movies, such as their, their, their power, uh, captivated um, a young man from South London and gave him a dream and Douglas Abansky my dear dear friend and brother you have helped keep that dream alive uh, Joe Wright thank you for this it only took 20 years for us to work together um, but it was well worth the wait thank you Kazu Lucy uh, David, for your, for your artistry. Uh, thank you, uh, everyone at, uh, at Working Title and Universal Focus for your Herculean efforts and support uh, on this film. Thank you, Eric Fellner, uh, Tim Bevin, Lisa Bruce, Anthony McCartan, um, Danny, and her amazing team, and of, and of course, Jim Osborne. I would like to, uh, I would just like to salute Sir Winston Churchill, who has been marvellous company on what can be described as a, a, um, an incredible journey, and uh, my wife, Giselle, for travelling that road with me and being at my side. Uh, thank you, Alfie, Gully, Charlie, uh, William, my remarkable, remarkable fellow nominees and my 
my dear friend down there, uh, Denzel, and um, I'm not going to, obviously, I'm, I'm not going to win the, uh, the, you know, the ski. Um, uh, I would like to thank my mother, who is it's older than the Oscar. She is 99 years young, next birthday. And um, she is watching the ceremony from the comfort of her sofa. Um, I say to my mother, thank you for your love and support. Um, put the kettle on. I'm bringing Oscar home. It pretty much proves my point, which I want to close on before we close out this podcast. That it's come to my realization, not only do they hate people, as we talked about in this podcast, but liberals hate America. They're always trying on the local, federal level, or in the movies, to make it what it isn't. They don't like America what it is. They want to make it something it's not. They always have. And I believe America is an imperfect union, to say the least, but when you break it down, our leaders are there to mold it in a direction, not completely change it from what it is. Have we done wrong? Sure. But we're still the freest, most forgiving nation there is on the planet. We have saved half the world's ass and then became friends with them and helped them rebuild their countries. You won't find that any time in history. But it seems like the media, Hollywood, and liberals stack up the negative, and that's all they look at, and they don't see the positive contributions we've given to the world. And I think that's why normal Americans like us have a hard time voting for liberals, have a hard time eating what the media, both in Hollywood and our cable news network, is feeding us. Mold it. Don't completely change it. And that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. And send comments by emailing F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. podcast at gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politic webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. FOPpodcast.com. To see links to feeds for the show, links to our Facebook page, and to email us. There you'll also see a link to every episode on the episode release page and my blog on the blog page. Our next normal-length, not-almost-three-hour podcast will be Sunday, the 11th of March, year of our Lord, 2018. And hopefully we'll be able to pick up some new subjects, because I, like you, am hoping that somehow, some way, the shiny ball that is gun control will stop, because everything's getting shot down. Every state house, everywhere, other than California, where you couldn't own a gun anyway, so who gives a shit? As you finish out your week, enjoy your family, disconnect from all your devices, and remember, it's a short ride. you got to make every day count. Don't waste it on social media. As always, my friends, thanks for listening, and take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Make sure to check out our webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Until next time, remember it's a short ride. Make every day count.
Cause I feel the same 